This episode of Tales from the Backlog that you're about to listen to was voted on by the patrons of The Tube. And I would like to thank some of those very cool people like Chris Nelson, the Top 3 Podcast Crew, Zul Geek, Colby Moyer, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, Jill, and new patron Chris from A Novel Console Podcast. These cool people have gone to patreon.com slash real Dave Jackson and supported the tube and the podcast within and thus gotten themselves voting rights on what game I talk about on the show. This episode was chosen. So thank you, patrons. You can be like them by heading to patreon.com slash real Dave Jackson and you will be my hero too. On to the show. everybody, my name is Dave Jackson, and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog, COVID Recovery Edition, pardon my voice. This is a video games podcast where each week I bring in guests to talk about a game we played. And I'm joined by two wonderful guests today, uh, friends of the show, and uh, let's say existential dread enthusiasts. Uh, first <laughs> up, from the Friendly Neighborhood Gamers <laughs> podcast, Andrew Kimball is back. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to, to get into this one. Yeah. And we're also joined by Katie Shesko. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, this is going to be good. Uh, good to talk to you finally, Katie, and good to have Andrew yeah. uh, on a regular episode. Andrew's been on, I think, two episodes before. We I know we did Bloodborne Bosses. And what was the other one we did? The Elden Ring Open World Discussion. That's right. Yeah, the Elden Ring Open World Discussion. Thank you. So, yeah, good to get you on the show. And Katie, welcome. Today, we're going to be talking about Nier Automata, which is an action RPG developed by uh, Platinum Games, published by Square Enix, directed by the uh, enigmatic Yoko Taro in 2017 for PS4 and PC with Xbox and... uh, Nintendo Switch ports coming yeah. in later years. And apparently that Switch port is really good. I know that shocked me when I started seeing those like impressions and stuff coming out. Is it a cloud port or is it no. native? It's running on the Switch? It's native, uh, yeah. And it, apparently it's incredible. Yeah, that's cool. I haven't picked it up yet, um, but I'm interested to see because I'm a Nintendo girl. So like that's my only console outside of my PC. So. Right. To have to have near on Switch is just like mind blowing and running well too. So everybody yes. <laughs> who lived through that PC port, uh, hmm. apparently the Switch port is good. I honestly I didn't have many issues with my PC port. Yeah, and I've played both. So okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> some elevator pitches for Near Automata. If this is uh, your first time really hearing about what this game's all about, or if you just want to simulate the experience of having it pitched to you in an elevator. Uh, I will get us started. This is a kind of unique take on storytelling in video games that really harnesses, uh, like I said before, existential dread in a very, very um, engrossing way, I think. Uh, What do you guys have as far as an elevator pitch goes? Um, I guess I'll go. I... 
would think that Nier Automata is, again, an existential dread game with unique storytelling, nods to other games, and one of the most incredible soundtracks that I've ever experienced. Yes, it must be the COVID brain telling me to not mention the soundtrack in an elevator pitch. That's like, (laughs) it's got to be one of the first things. So thank you for picking that up, Katie. Andrew, what do you got? Yeah, I guess my elevator pitch would be like, this is a game you have to at least try because as Katie alluded to coming just from the pure gameplay side of it, it does, it dabbles in so many different kind of genres of gameplay. And so just as like an experiment in video game creation and development, it's worth checking out. And then, yeah, it just has a a ridiculously creative story that kind of punches above its weight, in my opinion. Yeah, yep, totally agree. So this is going to be a pretty standard episode of Tales from the Backlog. Um, No story spoilers until after the spoiler wall. So if you haven't played, you can still listen to this episode. Check down in the show notes for a timestamp for where that spoiler wall is located. Uh, Like we said before, this game uh, has a very good story. Uh, I agree. I think it does punch above the weight of the typical uh, Platinum Games game at the very least. Um, But... As far as video <laughs> games in general, I think that this is a just an excellent story and using kind of things that only video games can use. And we'll get into that later. But for now, I do want to say that. And yeah, no spoilers for a while, though, so don't worry. Uh, but before we get into talking about the games, both of my guests today are doing some very cool stuff. So, um, Andrew, I'll kick it to you first, uh, because people have, if you've been listening for a long time, you've heard the Friendly Neighborhood Gamers before, but just a little refresher, uh, what are you and Dylan up to? Yeah, uh, so over at Your Friendly Neighborhood Gamers, we have a podcast. You can get it anywhere where you can get Dave's podcast, and we've had him on our show. We've interviewed him over there. We had him on our YouTube channel as well, which is kind of our other uh, we are like two prong approach to creating video game content. We have our YouTube channel and our podcast, both of them just attempting to talk about video games and the world of gaming from like the perspective of a more average gamer uh, that maybe might be a little bit underrepresented when you listen to like your industry level podcasts or something like that. Um, we We try to do at least one interview a month with content creators or podcasters or we've had katie on the show as well people that you know are maybe more on like a a community kind of level as opposed to trying to reach out to like big name developers or or people like that and then our other content is we'll do deep dives into video games similar to dave usually not quite as long of an episode um (laughs) and then we'll uh on our youtube video or our youtube channel we've recently kind of revamped the content we're doing over there to try to make it more concise and bite-sized and kind of like digestible in that way so we've got a couple reviews up we'll have a little bit more when this episode actually goes live but yeah for sure if you're into video games and you like the content here go uh give us a listen and uh let us know what you think yeah i've said it before but your friendly neighborhood gamers is um a show i listen to regularly it has uh my recommendation andrew and dylan are both really good dudes so solid recommendation there and uh katie is not a podcaster at least not yet um, not yet <laughs> not yet 
But uh, we'll get you eventually, Katie. But um, uh, well, uh, well, we'll talk about that because <laughs> yeah. it's in the works. It's in the works. <laughs> but you're also doing some very cool uh, music centered stuff uh, in your corner of the Internet. So let everybody know what you're up to. Yeah. So I am a flute player. I've been playing flute for more years than I care to admit because I don't want to reveal my age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I just love uh, I've always wanted to be a flute player, but like the classical scene just isn't fun or engaging and it's super competitive. And I just really like video game music. So I do flute covers of video game, TV, anime music. And yeah, I release on Spotify, Pandora, anywhere you would stream music, you can find my music. Um, I do music videos and cosplay over on my YouTube channel. Um, and I stream over on Twitch doing games and flute streams. So. Yeah, a little, I do a little bit of everything. Um, but I just, it's because I love gaming so much and why not combine flute and gaming? And I think more games should have flute music in it. But I have to say, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 has shown me up. They, they have very flute center <laughs> they in that game. Your wishes, but yeah. They answered my wishes. Now, the next thing is they should have hired me, but that's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just, yeah, that's how I intersect my two loves of music and gaming. Yeah, and I'll put links um, in the show notes to everything that you're doing, as well as your friendly neighborhood gamers. And I think a good place that people can start if you're listening to this episode, Katie has a lot of near music that she's done before, Dude. both near Automata and near and the original. Yeah, and replicant. Nier. Yeah, the replicant. original. Yeah, I did a last year. I did a EP plus. I had a couple singles before that, so I keep saying I'm going to do a full album, but there's too many songs to cover. So yeah, <laughs> I'll get it to a full album one of these days. But I have an EP and a couple singles for sure. <laughs> yeah, so check down in the show notes uh, for links to everything that Andrew and Katie are doing. Now we're going to get into the game itself and starting with our histories with Near Automata. What made us first want to play it and kind of what's been our history with the game uh, through the years until now? It's uh, five years ago that the game was released. So I will kick to whoever wants to go first, Katie, Andrew. I'll go first. Um, I first got into Nier. Um, my sister had moved in with me. Uh, she's 10 years younger than me. And she had moved in and her best friend got her Nier Automata for her birthday and our birthdays are within five days of each other. So she started playing through it. I watched her play through it. And I was like, wow, this is a really cool game. Really like the music. My husband picked it up and started playing it. And I was like, yeah, this is a really cool game. And I was like, but I've seen two people play it. So I don't really need to play it. And they're like, Katie, come on. You like, you got to play this game. So I finally <laughs> gave in and I played it and I fell in love and I have hundred percented it several times. Um, I have to do all the things. I have to collect all the things. I have to upgrade all the weapons. I have to do all the side quests. So I've done that more times than I care to admit because I just fell in love with the game, the world, the music. And yeah, and it's one of my favorites. I actually met Andrew because they were talking about it on Instagram. And I told them that I have a 2B tattoo on my thigh and it takes <laughs> up like the entire left thigh. So I, that's how I <laughs> was introduced to Andrew. Cause I was going to share I, that story too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, it, and like it interests people because most people don't know what it is. So, but it's just a really kick ass tattoo. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I loved it so much that I got the tattoo. <laughs> yeah. All right. That is, uh, yeah, very few games can claim that for me personally. But when you do love a game so much that you get a tattoo, that's how you know you like it. 
Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, how about you? Yeah, for me, uh, I guess it would have been a couple years ago. I don't remember exactly when, but it was one of those things where I went into this game not really knowing anything about it, especially not about where it was headed story-wise and stuff like that. I think it was like maybe over a summer or something where there weren't a lot of new releases coming out. And so I had seen this game, I'd you know heard it mentioned, and I acquired it somehow and just threw it in and initially just really enjoyed the like the combat and stuff like that and then you know as the game keeps going even within just that first kind of 20 minute section you're doing like 3d action you know platinum combat then you're doing like side scroll running through the levels and then you're doing like top down bullet hell and it just from that from that little section on i was hooked and so i was captiva- captivated by the the world and wanting to figure out what was going on in this kind of weird, you know, setup for this story. But also I was really intrigued by just all the different kind of game and gameplay elements that they were throwing at me and like constantly shifting the perspective and things like that. I found it really fascinating. Yeah. That was something that hooked me too when I first started playing it uh, was that like how in the first hour of playing it, you play, four or five different games basically yeah different gameplay modes and all the while like the story's going you're getting a taste of the music it really makes a super strong first impression um and that definitely hooked me too i hadn't heard of this when it came out because it came out in 2017 when i was not playing video games much uh, and Mm. certainly not paying attention to video games Uh, the only thing i knew that there is a new zelda game in 2017 and that i would play that and i think i've told this story but i i decided at the time that was probably going to be the last game i played and then it was like you know other stuff was on my mind um obviously that's not how things turned out Uh, so (laughs) when i got a ps4 in like 2019 or so i've told i've said this for so many games that have been on the show but i got a ps4 and i googled best ps4 games and then i was like okay play bloodborne play uh prey play dishonored 2 and play uh you know god of war and near automata was also on that and near automata was the first one i played when i oh. first got my ps4 nice. it was the first game i played because i looked at the list i made a list i went to the game shop i picked up bloodborne I picked up Dark Souls 3, and I picked up Nier Automata, and this is the first one I played. So after a pretty extended break from console gaming, uh, I had played some stuff on Switch. Um, This was the first thing I played, and I was totally just sucked into it. Uh, Playtime for Nier Automata, if you haven't played and you're wondering, uh, my first playthrough took me 27 hours, and that is for the entire length of the game the whole thing and there's a little misconception that a lot of people have so when i get into like some opening thoughts here i also want to address this um i would leave this for spoiler territory but there have been so many people who i've said play near automata it's really good and they're like i don't want to have to play through the whole game five times because <laughs> yeah. there's this idea that has gotten out there probably from the first near game if i understand correctly 
Uh, yes. It's a little bit more like that, right? Kind of. So having played both on, I've played, I played Replicant when it was on the PS4 and then I also played the remastered. And you do have a point where you replay like the second half three times in Replicant. Yeah. Um, I was hoping for the remaster they would do what they did in Automata, which we can talk about later. But they didn't. But yeah, you do replay like the second half ish three times to get all of the story endings. But I just I never minded that because I love the world so much in both games that mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, yes, I will happily redo this. <laughs> like, let's see where where else this story is going to go because it always there's always a new twist to it, and it it allowed you to pick up those quests that you do can't you. You can get locked out of some quests. So if you didn't get through it in one playthrough, it gave you an opportunity to go back or to fix something or to, to grind a little bit more if you wanted to like upgrade that one weapon and you could only get it in a certain part or you had to do it before a certain part in the story. So I didn't mind that. I know some people don't like that. Usually I mind that kind of stuff in games because I'm, you know, I'm a mom of two. My gaming time is limited. So like, I, I want it like if I'm playing a game, I want to get through it. But like, I didn't mind it because I was like, I love this world so much. So even more excuse to spend time in it. I'm cool with. <laughs> right. The uh, what I was getting at there was that near automata is not really like that. And no. there's this misconception that's out there in the ether that you have to play through the the same story beats five straight times in order to get no. to the end of the game. And it's it's not like that. It's not at all. <laughs> I describe it as a game that has chapters where you see the credits at the end of each chapter. Um, There is some repetition for sure, but it's not playing the exact same thing from the exact same point of view with the exact same gameplay. It's just not. And I want to clear that up before we get into talking about the episode, because I've talked to enough people who've been scared off from playing it because there's this idea out there. So I did want to clear that up. And Getting into some opening thoughts, I love the way the story is told in this game. I love how things get changed up, and I love how there are... I mean, it's it's almost akin to watching five seasons of a TV show, where, like, you... You get a resolution, you watch the credits, and then... Or five episodes of a TV show, or five movies, however you want to categorize it in your head, whatever makes you happy... Uh, that's it, it's really really awesome the way that they do it, and I said it in the kind of opening, but I think this is a method of storytelling and a story like merged together that only video games could do uh, in this particular way. Uh, because yeah. at least for me, I get I get so much more connected to characters when I'm the one in control of everything, and I got so connected to 2B and 9S in this story that this became like an all-time story. The gameplay is like, it's fine. And on my replay, I liked it a little bit less than I did the first time I played it. But it's, I mean, it's platinum games. It's flashy. It's it's kind of fun from time to time. And like me and Andrew talked about, they switch up the gameplay. So like, if you're getting tired of that hack and slash, you're not going to be doing it for the next 15 straight hours. They're going to break it up. And it's just a really, like, it, I think, Andrew, you said this, this is something that, like, if you like video games, if you like action games, if you like games that tell stories, this is a must-play game, like, straight off the bat. So I'll turn it over to you guys for some quick 
opening thoughts. I I want to just say that like even if you're not a big gamer, like it's still a really great game to pick up because it does have an easy mode. And even on normal mode, I didn't really struggle. Um yeah. I, I'm not a hardcore gamer. I play like the same five games over and over. My repertoire is very limited. It's mostly Zelda and Nintendo, to be honest. Um, I have branched out a little bit over the years, but for the most part, like I would say I'm a very, ca- like I'm, I would say I'm one step above a casual gamer. Um, and I just fell in love with it because like you said, the story really drew you in. Um, the, the different elements, even if I didn't understand where the game references came from, I knew that like it was nods to other games. I knew enough about gaming to know that like, you know, the, the shoot 'em up is a nod to one game and some of like the orb shooting thingies is a nod to another game. So that's probably even more back to like original gaming. Uh, so. You could see the references and that's just really cool. And I think a lot of people might be dissuaded because like, you know, you hear of things like Dark Souls and Elden Ring and like you have to be like a hardcore gamer and it's going to be really frustrating and you're going to hate doing it. No, <laughs> like this, this, this game was really enjoyable. And, you know, if you don't want to like worry too much about having to be really good at combat, put it on easy mode and just enjoy the story. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's one of those games that you can do that and they put that there so that you can. If you just really wanted to sit back and enjoy the story, you have a way of doing that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, for sure. And going back to what you were saying, Dave, about liking the the gameplay a little bit less on a repeat playthrough, I can kind of see like where you're coming from as far as there's a few things in there that you're either doing quite a bit or there's certain design choices like the way that they kind of lock you out of fast travel for a while that can be kind of, you know, frustrating. But in general, yeah, I think this game, especially like Katie was saying, if you just want to experience it, they give you the options to do that. And so it's it's for sure worth playing. I, I definitely enjoyed it when I played it. Talking about the different endings and stuff without spoiling anything, I like how it's structured in that way because it lets them throw some fun stuff in there too. Some silly things, you know, troll you a little bit. And so like going back to what you were saying, Dave, about how only video games can really do this. Those are some of those moments that come to mind, you know, when, when talking about it from that perspective. That being said, they are making a, uh, an anime, right? Of, they are, um, of this. So we'll see how this, type of thing translates and i don't even know if they're telling like the same story as the game yeah or if they're doing something just different story with 2b and 9s i have no idea but we'll see how that translates because this this felt to me like a pretty like only a video game could tell this story in this way Uh, we'll see how it goes i mean i'm not an anime watcher so and i don't watch a whole lot of stuff in general so i may or may not watch it uh this game is a very special experience to me, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I want more, more, more right. all the time, uh, <laughs> especially with the way that media, uh, especially these like, you know, video game tie-ins these days are going. It's not necessarily always a great thing. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And also, I just want to say, don't let Katie fool you. Uh, she's she's a hardcore gamer. <laughs> she, she got the platinum <laughs> or the 100% in Elden Ring, so... I, I did get oh, all of the achievements on Steam. That's, yeah, that's more than I can say I, for sure. I even, I, 
I sped ran like the last third playthrough because like Xenoblade 3 was coming out in two days and I was like, all right, if I'm going to get all of the achievements, I got to do it tonight. So I sat on stream for like three hours and did an entire playthrough to get that third, to get a third ending because I needed like the general ending. See, <laughs> so. pro gamer right there. So. Yeah, that's about as pro gamer as it gets. <laughs> so now we're going to take a little music break. And when we come back, we'll get into the story. So in Near Automata, far in the future, aliens have invaded the Earth and wiped out most of humanity through the use of machines that they created, uh, causing the last remaining humans to take refuge on the moon. Uh, the remaining humans sent these android warriors back to Earth to fight the machines and hopefully take back the planet. You play as two of these androids, uh, the cosplay thirst trap extraordinaire warrior Android 2B, Mm. And a scanner anime sad boy android named 9S. <laughs> uh, anime sad boy is a little bit strong, but he is a uh, cute little anime boy. Your first mission is to go to Earth, find and destroy a colossal machine. Um, and then the story is on from there. And this is kind of like the the life of these androids. They're kind of built purpose built to fight machines. So it's a very matter of fact, we're going to go to Earth. Uh, it has you fighting this like just enormous it's like it it's like an oil rig come to life type yeah. machine um and it's it's just like oh uh, yeah oh there it is we'll we'll go kill it um very matter of fact for these two um but uh the story starts out with them uh 2B and 9S a little bit kind of i don't want to say like they don't dislike each other like 2B is very distant from yes. 9S because she they usually work by themselves and uh, this story, I think, like the story of what's going on with the war between the androids and the machines and the humans and the aliens, the story is really cool. Like, I enjoy where that story goes and the places that it goes. But the thing that I took the most, like, emotional weight, uh, the thing that had the most emotional weight in this game for me is the relationship growing between 2B and 9S uh, throughout the game. And when I think about my favorite like moments or the moments that like really impacted me, it's always a moment between the two of them uh, rather than like a a big, like, you know, plot thing that happened. uh, I think Uh, as far as I want to say in the non-spoiler section, at least. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think you, you explore this world through their relationship and how they each individually see the world because they're they're two different android types like 2B is more of like the action the killing of the machines the like going out and doing the things and 9S is more of the like I'm going to gather information and I'm going to piece all of this information together so that you can formulate a better battle plan or we can figure out where the enemy might be or why they might be doing these things he's a support unit yeah, yeah so they have yep. two fundamentally different views of their missions and but you know that feeds into the common goal so you kind of get to see the world 
through through both of those lenses and you learn about the world through how they both experience it, which is is really cool and can be at times challenging to do. But I think the game pulls it off really well. Yeah, I totally agree. The 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 setup, the story setup is is super interesting, had me hooked from the very beginning, just like on a like a world building level. But then, yeah, it was very, yeah. very interesting and in kind of the the compelling through line that pulls you through is the relationship between the main characters. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't think I mentioned this and I don't think either of you mentioned it. So I assume that uh, like, I didn't play the original near and I didn't play any of the other like Dragon guard or anything like that. Andrew, I assume same for you. Yeah, no, this is my first. Right. And Katie, you said you played replicant, but I played it. At, played yeah, Automata? I played Automata first, and then I played Replicant, yeah. and then I played Automata again. And that I—that's another thing that I've had a lot of people ask me about. They're like, "Do I have to play Replicant before I play Automata?" And I say, "No, you, you. This is a standalone game, and while it nods to Replicant, you don't really miss out on much. Now, if you have played Replicant, some." Beats definitely hit harder because you can see, oh, yeah, I know exactly where this is from. I know exactly what this is referencing. And then that kind of floods you with all of the emotions of that game, which if this game is emotional, that game is replicant is just as emotional as Automata. So it it lets you hit it like it hits a little bit harder, um, but it does. But you don't need to play replicant in order to really fully appreciate and love Automata. Right. Yeah, 100%. I mean, all three of us played this game first, or it's the only one we've played from the series. And um, I would venture to guess that all three of us had some pretty amazing experiences with this story. Uh, So yeah, uh, this story also, uh, in addition to this kind of character relationship between 2B and 9S, this story is also dealing with a lot of like very cool uh, themes, not like new themes, but um, stuff like humanity and what it means to be human, um, but not in the way that you might expect from uh, a story set up about two androids. Uh, stuff like it's this is a little bit different than Detroit Become Human and other stories about robots, basically. Um, and I I really like the creativity that and the kind of this game's weird in a way, like in the way that it explores these themes, uh, it gets weird in a way where it's like, like Yoko Taro is uh, the one of like the sole creative forces behind the stories in these games, as far as I understand. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it, rem- it reminds me of other kind of creators, like singular creators like this, where if this was a team of people making this story with this, with these themes, a lot of the weird stuff would get sanded down or filed down. Uh, whereas this, this game just has a bunch of kind of weird shit in <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and really unique ideas that don't get filed away by focus groups or teams or stuff like that. Uh, in the same way that not to the extent that Kojima has a bunch of weird stuff in his games, but it's, it's the same type of thing where they think this idea is cool and interesting and telling like, exploring these themes in a way that they think is cool. And that's how it goes in the game because it's their game, you know? So the, the way that it goes into what it means to be human and uh, you know, the, 
classic like anime or JRPG type uh, theme, the reason why you're fighting. All right, Katie, yeah. you and I yeah. are playing Xenoblade Chronicles Three. Oh, I've played same, it. Same thing. I have. <laughs> you played I, it. Oh, okay. I have 130 hours, it. and I'm still upgrading all the things. But I, I finished the story. Uh, but I'm still playing. Okay, it. okay. <laughs> but I fin- <laughs> Okay, yeah. I'm still working through the story. That's a but whole podcast. That game also itself. works with that theme. <laughs> it it will be a whole podcast. Um. <laughs> uh, that's the way the that's the way this show works. I can't play a game for a hundred hours and not do a podcast. About I'm just it, saying. So. I'm just inviting myself back because I have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right on. Um, but yeah, that game also deals with this uh, idea of like. Why are you fighting? Uh, what's the reason uh, that you continue to fight? And this game goes into it too, but in a much different way. And I really like the way that this game explores these themes that other games get into, but in a very creative uh, way. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm starting to like think about the games that I like, and it's a lot of existential dread, and why are we doing the things that we do? <laughs> but uh-huh. yeah, I think I really liked liked that about this game is that like it drops you in the story and you're just like okay you have to fight this fight these machines and you're like oh and you don't even think as to why you're just like okay i'm gonna do that but like slowly it reveals like well why are we doing this what is the purpose and is this something that we have to keep doing and i think that's Mm -hmm. something that is just like relatable on a human level because we're all kind of like that, you know, that's what our lives are. We were, we're, we're born, we're told to go do these things. And at some point we have to question, well, why am I doing these things? And is this the right thing to do? And is there a better way to do these things? So it relates on a very like human level. And, but it has like the added twist of androids and robots, which I think like it, it allows a little bit of separation. But it's like one of those things that it's not in your face trying to teach you a message, but through the experience, you take a message away from it. Yeah. And like Dave, like you were saying, with the way it presents these kind of ideas and the twist it puts on them, it goes from being just kind of a fun, stylish action game with a few like, you know, fun gameplay twists to being like, okay, wait, what what am I playing or what is happening here? Then really, it kind of shocks you into thinking deeper about what it's trying to say and what it, you know, what's happening in this world. Yeah. And that's about as far as I want to get into it right now. And there's there's a lot of like (laughs) very specific things we'll talk about after the spoiler wall, uh, specific story moments that bring about these thoughts and like these kind of internal conversations that you'll have uh, with yourself and that characters uh, have in the game too. But for now, uh, no spoilers, of course. I want you to play this game. I want you to experience this um, as unspoiled as you can. So let's take a little music break. When we come back, we'll get into what it's like to play the game. So the game opens up in a way that we kind of mentioned before, but it opens up and you're not doing 
Platinum Games hack and slash combat right off the bat. And this was one of the things that hooked me, like I said earlier. It opens up with a top-down shoot-em-up section and then quickly moves to side-scrolling shoot-em-up and then twin-stick shooter and then like a Star Fox-type game, like dogfighting-type yeah. minigame. And then after all of those things, and these are quick, quick, like one, two minutes each, and then you get into um, a boss fight, uh, basically. And then you get into that like uh, Platinum Games type of uh, hack and slash action. If you've played Bayonetta, if you've played uh, Devil May Cry, they're not Platinum Games, but you get what I'm saying. That type of game, you know what this is. This combat system doesn't have the depth of a Bayonetta or a Devil May Cry or Astral Chain or anything like that. Um, But it is uh, very flashy. It's very stylish. And um, I had a good amount of fun with it, I would say. Like, if we're just talking about this kind of, like, melee combat, you have a light attack, you have a heavy attack, you do combos, you do dodges, you do perfect dodges. If you've played a game like this, uh, you know what it is. It's good enough. And I think this game has a reputation of the combat being boring. And I don't think that it's boring. I don't I don't think it's great, but I think it's it's good enough to get you through these sections and uh help you move through the story, which is why you're here. Yeah, I yeah. I oh, oh sorry. I <laughs> uh, I was just going to agree with you like I think it's simple, but I didn't think it was boring and I think a lot of that is because they put like the perfect dodge, I think, and like the weight that is behind your actions feels good to do. And then I think having the the little pods that also add another layer to the combat. It's also not overly complicated, but it's enough of another thing to manage to kind of always keep you on your toes and give you the ability to shake up the combat a little bit more than just like light, light, heavy, light, light, heavy dodge. You know, I think there's mm-hmm. just enough in there to keep it from being like generic, but it's also like simple enough that it doesn't get in the way of the rest of the game which i think is important for a game like this because if it had devil may cry combat i don't know that i would have stuck with it yeah i i agree i think that the combat system was perfect for this game it like andrew said it's simplistic enough but it's still engaging um if you don't really care about combos and you just want to mash buttons you're going to be fine. You might have some mm-hmm. issues here and there, but like, we're not talking like, you, you know, Dark Souls esque, like, you hit the wrong button, you're dead and you're going to keep dying over and over, which is going to turn some people off. This, 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 this game is about the story and the, the combat supported that. It was engaging enough. But like, if you didn't want to, if you didn't care about having the perfect combo and the perfect dodge, you are still going to be able to fight your way through things, defeat what you needed to defeat and move on and get to the rest of the story. And I definitely want to point out here, since we're talking about the combo, and I mentioned it when I did the podcast with Andrew back on the other podcast, Level Playing Field, that (laughs) Half Coordinated is a speedrunner and... They did a run of this at GDQ. I don't even remember what year at this point. But at the time, Nier Automata was one of the only games that allowed you to completely remap the controller. And since they have a, a condition, 
a, a medical condition that I can't remember. And I, I should have looked it up because I knew I was going to mention it, but I didn't. But they don't have much use of the right side of their body. So they play completely one-handed, hence the name half-coordinated. And they were able to completely remap the controller so that they could not only play the game, but speed run the game. And yeah, that's nice. really cool. I, at the time, they were one of the first games or one of the only handful of games that allowed the complete remapping of the controller to make that possible. So I always want to point that out too, that it makes it really accessible to anyone who wants to play this game, which is yeah. really cool. So I'm just saying, if someone can play this one handed, I think anyone could pick it up and learn it pretty easily. Yeah. That accessibility is cool and it's not something that Japanese developers are known for. So that's, uh, that's very cool. The combat system itself is fine. Like I, the flashiness of it really helps, I think, with a yeah. lot of the fights. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this game is like three times as long as the average platinum games game. Like th- this is like three times as long as a Bayonetta game. So I think they did a lot of really good things to, kind of make the combat flashy um like you said andrew you have those pods that give you ranged attacks and you can kind of customize what their kind of ultimate attack is and stuff like that they're switching up the gameplay from time to time you're going to go through a lot of different sections and sometimes it's not even switching the gameplay but sometimes just taking this like 3d action and moving it to like a 2d side scrolling everything is still exactly the same the controls are still the same the combat's still the same but it's side scrolling and they're framing up this beautiful um kind of vista with the camera and that just does a a lot for making a section that may have started to feel like it was dragging and now suddenly you have this visual spectacle while you're fighting a couple of robots and all of these things really like piece by piece kind of help this not feel as repetitive as it could Uh, because there are still times when i was going through and i was like okay i'm i'm ready for something to switch up and i did have that feeling many times uh especially in my replay when i know what's going on in the story and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um but it, it never gets to a point where it's like man this sucks like i'm not having fun i never really got to that point yeah same um I, yeah, there was just always something new to explore, something new to do. Like you said, when the combat started feeling a little stale, especially in like those longer sections, it somehow changed up whether, like you said, you're doing the top down, you're doing more of a 2D, you're doing a scroller. It, it changes it just enough to keep your interest without it feeling stale. I like it just, it had a really good balance. Yeah. And I don't like, I am not a shoot 'em up expert. I'm like really, really bad at those games and twin stick shooters too. I'm horrible at twin stick shooters. Uh, those sections in this game are pretty easy, I think, but they do so much to just shake up the gameplay enough. Um, and like you said, Katie, this game's not hard. It, this is, it's not a game that's going to like really challenge your Twitch reflexes or something like that. Like you can just like buy 99 potions and potion spam your way through the hardest boss fights it's you'll be fine mm-hmm. and the shoot 'em up sections and the other stuff like that those are easy they're just there to shake things up give you a nice little visual treat and uh, i really enjoy them this game does have um 
some RPG stuff. Since uh, this is an RPG, um, you're getting level ups and stuff like that. You get a uh, kind of main quest and then you're in this kind of semi-open world. Uh, I mean, it is an open world. You can go wherever the game is permitting you to go at the time. Um, This world is pretty small though, like, and not like area small. I want to see, cause like there's a desert area that's huge and right. there's a factory that's pretty big and stuff like that. But the world is, uh, pretty empty. Um, not a whole lot to find. If you go exploring, you'll find some items and stuff like that. Uh, but this is one of the things that started to drag down in my replay of the game is that there are, there's like the main city area in the middle and there's maybe four or five kind of spokes off of that. And you're going to crisscross the entire game, desert to city, to amusement park, to city, to factory, to city, to desert, to city, to resistance camp, to city, the whole game going back between these like five levels. And that really started to drag for me um, and led to me not doing side quests uh, in my replay. Um, because the side quests, I think, are uh, a little bit, they have good flavor, but they are all go here, kill this, or go here, collect this, or go here, talk to this person. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, then again, this is coming from someone who has collected 900 Koroks on multiple occasions in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> so I don't mind that kind of stuff. Multiple occasions? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> She has a problem. I have a problem that... That's right. You do stream Breath of the Wild I do stream Breath of the Wild, which is why I started doing bingos, which is a whole different discussion. But I I don't mind those kind of things because they're kind of mindless and they let me to just immerse myself in the world. I don't really care about doing a side quest that is, like, super satisfying. I just, like doing side quests because there's usually like an element to the story that you learn or you learn about another character and it just fills out the world a little bit more. And when I play games, it's because I'm like relaxing after a long day or it's like a Saturday afternoon. And for once I don't have to take someone somewhere and I can just sit and chill and like turn my brain off and do mindless things. But like, I don't know, it's that dopamine hit of I'm still accomplishing something and I'm spending time in a world that I really like. So for me personally, I don't really mind side quests like that. So, but I can understand people who want more meat with their side quests. Yeah. This one's got like, I, I have said before, and I'll continue to say that like fetch quests are not necessarily bad just because they're fetch quests. If there's good flavor there and some of the side quests in Near Automata, I feel like have pretty good flavor, mm-hmm. like uh, good character backstories. Or if you're the type to really dig into like why a character is named the way they are and what real world connections that name will have, mm-hmm. this is a game for you people to dig into like ancient philosophers and stuff like that because uh, and how they're you know, philosophy ties into what this character is all about in the game. There's a lot of meat on that oh, bone yeah. for you people. I'm not one of those people, though. <laughs> uh, so the a lot of the side quests here left me kind of wanting. And then it's just that combination of like, oh, I met a character. They gave me a side quest. 
they want me to go to the desert. I was just fucking in the <laughs> desert like, three separate times. I don't want to go back there. So maybe I'll do it later. Maybe not. Uh, I had a lot of situations like See, that on my replay. Where I tend to collect all the side quests and I'll do like three or four when I'm in the, in the area, but I pick yeah, up well, all of the I side quests. try to be efficient. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but I, it doesn't always work out that I way. I pick up all of the quests. So I usually am doing one or two at a time. And yeah, I don't mind. Cause like I said, even if I have to go back and forth, I, that's just more time I get to spend in the world. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> that's fair enough. Yeah, I was like you, Dave, uh, with the side quests. I think I was early on, I was doing a lot of them because in general, when it comes to just like games and open world games and RPGs, I'm one of those. I like checking the boxes and working my way down the list and just accomplishing these goals. But I remember towards the end of my my playthrough for a couple different reasons, just mainlining the game and, you know, Half of that was because, yeah, I didn't find all the side quests as engaging maybe as I wanted them to be. The other half was that like the main quest had gotten so wild and insane at that point that I'm like, okay, I'm not stopping to go do anything yeah. else at this point. I'm just going to see this thing through. I think speaking to the like RPG elements, I didn't really engage with many of them because they have the like the chip system. To like mm -hmm. optimize your build. Once I had like a build that I liked, I didn't really mess with that too much anymore. You you unlock different weapons, and I can you upgrade the weapons? Yes. Was there a way to like? Oh yeah. yes. So I think <laughs> yeah, I think I just find I found like a weapon set that I liked, and I upgraded it, and then from there I wasn't like experimenting or doing much differently with weapons. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that like what I had was working, so. Because the like we touched on, the combat is simple. And I was also, like, once I had some momentum going in the story and in the, you know, the world and the things that were happening, I didn't really spend a lot of time, like, looking through menus or going through shops or upgrading stuff or trying a different set of weapons. So, I feel like it's cool that that stuff was there if you wanted to engage with it. I also liked that it didn't hold me back if I didn't want to. One thing about that chipset... Because I agree, I didn't spend a ton of time tinkering. Maybe once every six hours or so, I'd be like, hey, I picked up a shitload of chips. I should just right. go in there and check it out. Um, I love how it, it visualizes, though. Like, yeah. it's a really awesome visualization of, like, how much space each chip takes up, how much space you have, uh, things like that. And I like that if you remove your OS chip, uh, you die and you get a game over. That's very Yeah, that's one of me. the endings. Yeah, that's hilarious. There's a lot of endings like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the joke endings are definitely fun. Yeah, I liked the visualization because like, it looks like a computer hard drive. Like when I go and clean my memory, I get the little wheel with like what's filling, filling it in. So like, I think that just reinforced that like, this is an Android. This is essentially a computer. So this is how it's yeah. stored. Um, yeah, I didn't mess with my chips too much, um, except they're later in playthrough A, you can pick up like an auto pickup chip. So instead of like stopping to yes. pick up items, yeah. soon as I, as soon as I get that, I'm like, all right, I will juggle whatever else I need to, to make sure that this chip is in my build because that just that one in auto heal yeah. auto heal was the same for me. If I could get yeah. that one that would automatically like yeah. shoot me a, a health when I was low, that auto pickup item, oh, so uh, sh you shouldn't have to equip an item to do that. No. It's like, 
I so I started my replay. I was like, I'll do a new game plus, and I started that, and it was way too easy, so I quit. But I had that auto pickup item thing equipped, and I was like going around picking stuff up. This is how the game works. And then I started a new game, and you don't have that, and you have to press circle to pick up every item you see, yeah. and it's very fucking annoying. They should have just made it an auto pickup. Uh, yeah, I yeah. agree. But that's that's definitely <laughs> one flaw. But yeah, other than that, I didn't really mess with the chips too much. Um, maybe if I felt like I was struggling with a boss, I might ha- like see if I had a better attack up chip or something like that. But uh, yeah, I think like that's kind of the nice thing about this game is that it has that element. If you really want to, like Andrew was saying, like if you really want to delve into the nitty gritty of like optimizing your chips and having, you can have, I think three different separate builds. So like, if you're like, all right, well this build, I want yeah. this type. And if I'm going to go against this enemy, I want this set. Um, you can. And if you want to find all the weapons and find the best weapon for your playstyle, you can. But if you don't want to do that, you can still play and you can do just yeah. fine, which I, again, as someone who doesn't game a lot and doesn't necessarily have a whole lot of time to game, that's nice. I appreciate that because then that means like I don't have to spend an hour trying to find the perfect weapon to fight this one boss because I'm struggling. It's no, I'm going to be just fine with what I have. And if I want to tinker and yeah. tweak, I can. If not, then I can still get through the game. Yeah. And I wonder if those like the tinkering and stuff is really beneficial if you play on a really hard difficulty. Probably. So I was just thinking something that that I just, I just don't explore that. I don't play games on hard difficulties, but I wonder if this is one of those games where people are like, yeah, you actually, you have to like min max your chips and you have to upgrade your weapons and you have to use the right weapons. I don't know. I have no idea. And I won't ever know. Yeah. I, it's been a while since I've watched any speed runs, but like there's definitely certain weapons and certain chips that they like to have. But that's because like you're going into areas severely underleveled where if you're just a casual player, mm-hmm. it's not nearly as important to have an optimized chipset. But like if you want to do like a super high level where like maybe you're not dealing as much damage, but you're taking more damage or you're speed running, so you're going into like a level 30 boss at level 12, then, you know, you can still do it by customizing chips and having certain items and stuff. Yeah. And that chip, mecha- like the chip system goes a little bit deeper because you can upgrade your chips and you can fuse them together to make them more powerful, but not as expensive to install as like they would be if you just found them out in the world. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. It's not. I don't want to go too deep into that, uh, especially not here in the non-spoiler section for people who haven't played the game. But uh, it does go a little bit deeper. And again, I just wonder if that's something that would be really beneficial on hard mode. Uh, you reminded me something I should mention. We're talking about a JRPG with leveling. You don't have to grind in this game. Uh, if you just play through the story maybe do a couple of side quests, you will be just fine as far as level goes. Um, And even if you fight a boss that's five levels higher than you, it's not really a big deal. This isn't one of those games where it's like one level makes all the difference. Right, yeah. It's, I I think once you're getting to like 
10 to 15 levels because i remember i did try to do a speed run of it at one point and i was like late game very under leveled and i wasn't dealing a whole lot of damage but again i was speed running not really doing i was doing bare minimum and that was hard but yeah, yeah. casual player you're you're not going to run into those issues at all yeah, it really feels like a lot of this stuff, they, they put a lot of things like leveling and upgrading weapons and stuff like that for people who want them. But ultimately, the like the, the main goal of this game and the people who made it and Yoko Taro and all that, they want you to see the story. They want you to experience the whole thing. So it feels like they did a pretty good job of not gating you too much with anything like and obviously having difficulty options helps with that too. But even I, I played the whole thing, I think on normal, except for one section that we'll probably talk about in the spoiler, <laughs> spoiler area where I did drop the difficulty, but in general, yeah, if you're just playing the game, you're going to get to experience the whole thing. And I think that was the yeah. goal because that yeah. is kind of like the heart and soul of this franchise, but you know, specifically this game. Yeah. hundred percent. And, uh, one final thing of note, um, to talk about the gameplay and something that gets a bit more prominent as you play uh, is that there is a hacking mini game in the game. Uh, and I really like it. It's um, a kind of not, I don't want to say eight bit, but it's a low bit kind of uh shoot 'em up style game, twin stick shooter uh, style game. Um, I had a lot of fun with this. I know a lot of people don't at least don't love it. Uh, I really like this throughout the entire game. Every single hacking section that came up, I number one, I had fun. And number two, I just, I cannot get enough of what it does with the music. In the music is, sections. yeah, that, that's the, my favorite part of those yeah. sections. I'm one of those people, judging by Katie's face, probably the, <laughs> the person in this call that doesn't really like those sections as much. I thought they were really cool and like um, unique and refreshing initially, but I did feel like they kind of overstayed their welcome especially towards the end, but the music part. Yeah. I never got over that. I loved how it would tr transition into like the, you know, the eight bit 16 bit version of whatever song it was playing at whatever point you entered yeah. and then seamlessly pull back out. That was super cool. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't as big of a fan, especially the first couple of times. I was just like, Oh my gosh, I got to use both sticks and this is so unwieldy. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I, because, again, like, this was kind of early on in my foray into, like, I guess, like, newer games where, like, you had to use both control sticks. Because, like I said, I played a lot of Zelda. And this was pre-Breath of the Wild. So, like, it, the camera was, for the most part, fixed. Um so I was like, oh, my gosh, having to use both control sticks. And it was a little unwieldy. But, like, after a couple of times, it, you got the hang of it cause, because there, it wasn't overly difficult, especially in the earlier game. It it was not super difficult. So you, I picked it up pretty fast. But I didn't love it. But I I appreciate, like, what it was about, especially because they explained it a little bit more later how it incorporates into the story, like what the perspective is and yeah. like the, the fact that it, it, it kind of, again, took you out of like, you know, the hack and slash and session sections into something different. And it was short. It was, you know, I think they were max 30 seconds or something like that. So yeah, there, a lot of them are less than 10 yeah. seconds. Yeah. So it yeah, was most of them. 
yeah, it was just enough to like kind of keep you on your toes. So Andrew, you kind of brought this up. Uh, what happens in the hacking sections and like what makes these just, I, there's, there's a part of my brain that every time you get into one of these hacking sections, it's like, okay, give Dave a treat. It's <laughs> the music that's playing uh, during whatever you're doing, boss fight, exploring the world, regular combat, etc. cetera. Uh, it transitions seamlessly into this eight bit version of the the song you're playing. And when I say seamless, I mean seamless. Yes. And then when it's done, it goes back to like maybe a fully orchestrated with vocals version of the song. on youtube and look at the near automata soundtrack there is all like the dynamic versions of the soundtrack like layer one layer two layer three etc and then there's the 8-bit version of the song too and it's just constantly switching between these and i just fucking love it i can't get enough of it it's so yeah good. it was so perfect because normally at least in other games that i've played where like if you transition to a new section or a new thing the music had its own song and it started over and no matter how short it was it kind of and you switched back it started over but no like you were saying it's fully integrated so like it's the song keeps playing but if you're in the hacking section, it's the 8-bit version. And then as soon as you leave it, you pick right back up into like the full version. And I, I don't think I've experienced another game that's done that quite like that. And it's like you said, it's just perfect. It And it because it keeps you in the moment. And at least in the respect of the music, the music is the, it's the same song, but like it has those minor you know has that change but for the most part it keeps you in the moment of whatever you're fighting let's go ahead and listen to a little bit of that music and let's just continue on with talking about the soundtrack because it's uh we had other things we had to talk about but an hour into a near automata podcast without talking about the music it's a travesty yeah, absolutely <laughs>
So the main thing about this soundtrack that makes it um, just it makes it great on top of just like the quality of the songs and the emotion that the songs carry. That's one of the things that I love about this is just how even though not a lot of the songs are like super epic, although there are epic songs in here, uh, like the one that plays uh, when you're fighting in the amusement park against the boss there. Uh, I think it's called A Beautiful Song. It's a beautiful song. song. I know, because I did a cover with my cello friend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All the songs in this game just have this like weight to them that has turned this soundtrack into um, one of my go-tos, like when I'm really just feeling like sad boy hours and I want to listen to some music that will just fuck me up emotionally, <laughs> the Near Automata soundtrack is like in the top, like level, is up there with any of the music that I ever listened to as an angsty teenager. If I'm in my feelings, I listen to this soundtrack because there's so much emotion behind the song. It's so good. I, I mean, I really like... Which I think, again, this, at least in my gaming experience, unique is that, like, you have the songs and there's usually three, at least three different versions of yeah. it. And it kind of, like, and it, it changes depending on where you're at in, in the story and what else is going on. And it just add, that adds a new layer to it. It's just like, oh, I know the song, but it's it's different, and mm-hmm. it does it so beautifully. And it like all of the areas, like every single area, the main song has at least three, if not four or five, different versions. And it's just, I, I yeah, I I can I can geek out about the music <laughs> of this all day, but I'll let other people talk. <laughs> But that's the other piece of the puzzle is that it's a dynamic soundtrack that is changing based on, like, of course, where you are, but what's going on in the story? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you fighting or is it just an intense story moment that you're working through? Uh, so when you first start out, you'll get this very light version. And I always I go to the city ruins mm-hmm. as like my kind of quintessential like demonstration of this so you start out with like a very very light version and it's just a couple of like piano keys um, and then some like kind of ambient noise in the background and then you get the the main melody the do 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 that starts to come in Mm -hmm. and then as you go on vocals start getting introduced and then when you get to like the biggest version of the song it's this full and powerful song and it's every like you said katie Every area in the game, every story moment has a song with all these different layers that is just constantly being built up. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. Yeah. And I think it's incredibly good, like emotional, like you said, Dave, music that just like packs an emotional punch. But I think something else that makes it so special and like unique in the space is that it is just like unique music. I kind of think about like you know the witcher and how when the witcher first came out like we didn't really have music that sounded like that in our games and so when you hear anything from that game or anybody trying to like imitate it you're like oh that's the witcher and i think near is the same exact way where it's like you can hear any song from this soundtrack and instantly if it doesn't take you exactly to that moment when you heard it or what you were doing in the game you at least know oh this is near automata like immediately and so i think they did a a really good job of coming up with like a unique sounding, just like sound for their, 
their tracks that they wrote for this game. And then, yeah, aside from them just being unique, they're all like top tier, high quality, really good music. They nail the vibe that they're going for. Yeah. And the vocalists are really good. And the fact that like Emmy Evans and uh, Janique, they have very distinct voices and they're both beautiful and i i mean i'm gonna bring up a beautiful song again because they have both of them in that song so the juxtaposition of like emmy's more soprano ethereal voice with janique's like more alto soulful voice in that fight is just so good it's just so good and the fact that like the language is entirely made up. It's not a real language. It's kind of a mishmash of various, you know, sounds of many different languages because it's telling you that, like, this is of this world, but not present time. This might be something because, you know, the game is set in what, like 11,000, something like that. So obviously language is going to evolve in. 10,000 years. So I, I really like that, like, it, it sounds familiar because it's based in some of our languages that we hear today, but it's not any one language that is spoken today. So it, it gives yeah. it that familiarity, but also that alien feeling. I had singled out the song in the desert as one to highlight the vocals. Um, what's her name? The alto Janique. singer? Janique, it, her voice is just so powerful. Oh, and good. that song in the desert is very laid back and really puts this just alto vocal in like smack dab in the center. It's like the focal part of that song. Mm-hmm. And that vocal is so good. Uh, I, I just, I love it. And you're right. The, um, a beautiful song too. weight of the world, uh, absolutely crushes me every time I hear it, like to this day. It uh, doesn't matter what language it's in, although um, I want to give a shout out to the Japanese vocalist for Weight of the World because she sings her fucking heart out oh, yeah. on that song. It's so good. And it's ridiculous. <laughs> so I cover a lot of games on this show. This is we're past episode 50 now. I don't always play games and just like the name of the composer gets internalized in my head because the music's so fucking good. But I know who Keiichi Okabe, Okabe is now mm-hmm. because this is incredible music. Yeah. And I've heard that the music in Replicant is as good, if not better. And I, I can't wait to play it. I think I like Automata a little bit better. Um, just because I love Janique's voice so much, but Emmy Evans, <laughs> understandable, but Emmy Evans did do some of the vocals in Replicant. So there is that, that cross. So, yeah, but the music in Replicant is equally as good as, and yeah, what they, they, it's not quite as dynamic as Automata. I think Automata is unique in that respect, but mm-hmm. it, it is just as good, just as powerful. And you hear it and you're like, I know exactly where that is. And I know what I was doing when I first heard it. And yeah, I've covered quite a few from that one too, because it's, it's just so good. It, I just, I, it's, it's, it's hard to like explain it. You just, you have to listen to it. Like, even if you don't, even if you never play the game, like I, I, I'm a flute player. Most of the people that I interact who play flute are classical flute players. They don't play video games. 
And when I was playing some of this stuff for my flute teacher back when I was taking lessons, she's just like, yeah, I don't know what this is from, but like, it's really good music. I'm like, yeah, video game music is really good music. (laughs) It is. yeah, Uh, And that's kind of my passion of like, trying to bring this kind of music to the classical world or to people who don't play games. It's just like, okay, even if you don't play the game, go listen to the soundtrack because the music itself is powerful. Even if you don't understand the reference, you can go pick up something like A Beautiful Song or City Ruins and just vibe to it. Yeah. Because it it's that the song itself is good and it only enhances the game. Yeah, for sure. The the track that I think I picked and put in our music episode that we did recently on our show that I love from Nier is uh, Peaceful Sleep. That mm-hmm. one always gets me. Uh, Nier Automata is one of those games where it's like, in some ways, you can see that maybe they weren't working with like the largest budget and they they utilized their like what they could work with really well in this game. But like, like you said, Dave, you're going between just a few different areas kind of back and forth. And like, so there's certain things in the game where it's like, you know, maybe if they had had more resources, they could have blown this out a little bit more. The music is somewhere where they did not skimp anything or, you know, cut any corners <laughs> mm-hmm. or do anything like that. Like it is S tier 10 out of 10, like one of the best gaming soundtracks and some of the best music in general, like Katie was saying. Definitely yeah. should check it out. It's going to be one where like, I'm already thinking forward to me editing this episode and trying to pick maybe six songs for the music breaks. And I yeah. might have to just like create a few more music breaks so I can just get <laughs> more of the stuff in because it's, it's impossible to narrow this one down. Yeah, um, it's you really can. good. It's, it's all iconic. It's all good. And it all serves the overall story. That is exactly what I was just going to (laughs) say. The thing that makes it like just takes it to that next level is that the story is really good and the music just like accentuates the emotions that are going on in the story so well Mm -hmm. that it all works together perfectly. This game also looks really good. I think still like on it's a kind of, uh, as we move further and further into like next gen and stuff, like I just got a new PC with a sweet graphics card. I have a PS five. I've played games that look a lot better than this, but I think this game still does look really good. Mm -hmm. Um, The, the way that the areas are kind of designed to look like this kind of post-apocalyptic, especially the city ruins. Um, But then you have different, um, like uh, different visual styles. The the desert looks like a desert. I'll, I'll give you that. But you go into the amusement park and suddenly there's, there's fireworks and there's all these colors and stuff like that. And coupled with like the camera uh, changing perspectives mm-hmm. so many times to highlight vistas and stuff like that. Um, I think that this game is like a real treat to look at, not from like a graphical fidelity uh perspective mm-hmm. all the time but more of like an and art direction from, kind of yeah. thing yeah yeah i was gonna say not from uh looking at two b's booty as you're going through the game all the time <laughs> uh or climbing ladders uh people but there's worse butts um, out there i mean there are worse butts out there you're right uh, <laughs> maybe that would be a bonus episode of the podcast top five butts yeah the top five worst butts in gaming it won't be mario from that new trailer i mean come on oh, no. oh my yeah. gosh <laughs> but 
you're right. Like from an art direction perspective, uh, I think this game looks really good. And then when you have um, kind of more cinematic moments, um, I think they're framed up really, really nicely. There's some boss fights I'm thinking of right now that are like very like epic feelings because of just the way the camera is set. Yeah. Yeah. They're able to frame things to make them look as cool as possible with the way that they kind of control the camera in a lot of scenarios. And, you know, some of these boss fights and stuff are very grand, but still kind of simple in like, you know, design or what's going on. And I think that all works together really well to kind of get their point across, frame what they want to frame. And like you said, graphically and like fidelity, obviously, especially as we're moving further away from it. Yeah. It might have some rough edges here and there, but it definitely still holds up. And yeah, they picked a really good direction and with the the art and the style that they were going for. And they, they did a really good job of achieving that. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, then again, I play Zelda and it's 30 FPS and not <laughs> on the Switch and not the most graphically advanced game. But but it has I, a good art style. It has a good art style. And I think Automata has I I really liked the kind of muted colors that it has like Mm -hmm. it's still it's colorful but it's muted at the same time like some areas are very colorful like amusement park you're like oh yeah like this is supposed to be fun and vibrant but they're still i mean it's an abandoned amusement park set ten thousand years from now like obviously it's not going to be as vibrant as it once was so there's kind of like a mutedness to it but you still get that like happy fun jovial feel from it and yeah, I think like, you know, the characters move well. I you, I just always think like I'm still stumbling in bushes. I go through a bush and I expect to go right through it. But no, I stumble through it. And I know that by now, but I still <laughs> yeah. try to run through a bush and I stumble through it. <laughs> so like, <laughs> it's those little details of of stuff like that. And yeah, I just I think like. There's beauty in the simplicity. It doesn't have like the highest graphics, but what they did with it, like, is still, it looks really good. You feel the environment. You feel the weight of like, you know, humanity is not on the planet at the moment and there's that weightiness to it. So yeah, there's just, it's the, the vibe just fits so well for the story, for what the graphics are and all of that. If there's one complaint I have about it visually, it's that in a lot of fights, especially intense fights, boss fights, uh, it can get pretty visually busy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like sometimes to the point where you can really not see your character very well, especially if you have the pod firing all the time with just that holding down L1 to always have Mm -hmm. it firing, which you should, if you want to do consistent damage, there were a lot of times where I was like, um, I have to choose between getting that range damage or seeing what's going on. Yeah. Um, which if this were a harder game, it would be a giant complaint, but it's not a hard game. So it's only like a kind of thing that was annoying from time to time. Yeah. Uh, but that's as far as visuals go, that's really the only thing I can really complain about. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So uh, let's get into some kind of final thoughts uh, before we get into spoiler time. Um, Now that we've had uh, over an hour to discuss the game itself, 
Um, before we get into spoilers, I do kind of like to kind of summarize our thoughts uh, once again and answer the one question, who would you recommend this game to? So uh, I will kick it to you, Katie, uh, to go first. Who would you recommend this game to? I mean, I think if you have any interest in a good story that is well laid out, that makes you think and contemplate things and you enjoy good music, then check the game out. It's not difficult. There's not like a, a a barrier of entry of like, you have to be a super pro gamer to do it. Um, it, it's just, if you, if you really like story driven games with a good combat, with good music and good ambiance, then I, I would say check it out for sure. Yeah. That tracks Andrew. How about you? Yeah, I would, I would recommend this game to anyone, especially now that there's a good version on the switch with the asterisk that like you have to be into kind of, you know, weird stories and maybe into video games in general. But like, if you have even a passing interest in anything, you know, gaming related or kind of like sci-fi or anime, you should at least try this game. I think it's worth trying. Yeah. It might not like work for you. It might not stick. But at least give it a shot because I think there's so many different things that are interesting from, you know, whatever perspective you're coming at, whether it's the story, whether it's the different kinds of like gameplay that they meld together, whether it's the the aesthetic, the atmosphere, whatever. I think there's something to get you into it. And then if you stick with it any significant length of time, probably it's going to hook you and I think you'll have a good time. Yeah, I would recommend this game to anyone who is interested in seeing uh, a really good video game story. It's pretty much as simple as that. Um, if you don't care about story and you're like very, very gameplay focused, then this game might let you down in some ways, I think. But I find it hard to believe that there's someone who's listening to this show that doesn't care about video game stories at all, uh, because that's it's something that I care about a lot. So yeah, easy recommendation for most people. And then again, like incredible soundtrack, uh, good characters that you like, if you get into the story at all, you should really uh, dig these characters to be in 9S and the uh, kind of growing partnership relationship between them and not necessarily like a romantic uh, relationship, uh, but kind of a like, I forget which one of you said this earlier, sorry, but like two different perspectives on the world colliding and then them kind of reckoning with that all the time. Um, really, really cool. And I had just thought of this as we're kind of wrapping up the non-spoiler section, but JRPGs especially, uh, but video games, um, they have a long time to tell stories and they can weave some kind of tangled webs that don't get resolved uh, or they bring up a bunch of extraneous things that don't matter or uh, like serve to just make things crazier. Um, and I don't think this game does that. No. Like this game has a crazy story and it has a bunch of twists and turns and it has a bunch of things that I would kind of uh, slack off as like anime nonsense from <laughs> time to time. Yeah. But it all fits in the story. Yeah. And I think that this is like, for a story that takes the swings that it takes, I think it's a really like tight story. I think oh, it's yeah. actually really, really well told, despite how crazy it gets from time to time. Yeah, the the story for sure is a wild ride. 
Um, it definitely goes in places that you might not expect, yeah. but it all fits. It all makes sense. And even if at the beginning you might not see how a character fits in, by the end, if you play through all of it, you'll know exactly where they fit in, why they fit in, and how they contributed to how everything's going. So yeah. it it ties up any loose ends, I think, for the most part. It's it's self-contained. And while it does pull from other things, it does have nod to at least replicate. And I'm sure it probably nods to Drakengard. Uh, I have not played the Drakengard. I have watched some theory, like lore videos, but... It's self-contained. It's a story. Yeah. And that and that's that's it. You have the story in the end. <laughs> yep. So let's get into some housekeeping before uh the spoiler wall here. So um I will turn it over to uh Katie first. One more time, remind people uh what you're doing um in your corner of the internet and where people can find you. So I am a flute player. I do covers of video game, TV, anime, music. I have, if you're interested in near stuff, I do have an EP and I've done a couple of singles of from near replicant and automata, but I also do Zelda and some Xenoblade stuff. So if you like video game music and you want more flute in your life, definitely check me out. You can find me over on twitch.tv slash Katie Shesko. I'm doing games right now. I'm working on Ocarina of Time because my friends want me to do randos and multi-worlds with them. I do a lot of Breath of the Wild bingos. And if you're interested in what that is, that again, could probably be a whole podcast episode of itself. Um, and I do flute <laughs> music live requests. I play flute live on stream. So, and there may be a podcast in the works. Um, that's in the beginning stages, but I'm finally jumping on the podcast bandwagon. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, I laughed there when you said it could be a whole podcast episode about what bingos are, because that kind of was the subject of a lot of your episode on your friendly neighborhood gamers. Yeah. So, Andrew, where can people find your friendly neighborhood gamers? Yeah, you can find us anywhere you get Tales from the Backlog as far as podcasts go. You can also find us on YouTube. Uh, we're your friendly neighborhood gamers over there. Just look for our our little uh, icon, everything is branded the same. It all looks the same. We're also on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all those. Um, and yeah, if if you've enjoyed this conversation, a good place to start with our show would be we've done an episode interviewing Dave and we've done an episode interviewing Katie. So great places to start. And then, of course, a bunch of just good video game talk over there as well. So yeah, if you enjoy this you'll probably find something you like over in the neighborhood. I agree. Uh, so again, recommendations for your friendly neighborhood gamers and checking out Katie's music. Uh, look down in the show notes for everything that everyone has going on. Um, it's a lot easier than trying to remember social media handles. Uh, as far as Tales from the Backlog goes, um, same things to support the show. If you've enjoyed it, uh, consider joining the Discord server where people will surely be talking about Near Automata. Uh, after this episode comes out and yeah if you like the show consider leaving a rating and review if your platform allows it um, consider supporting on patreon that would be very cool of you and also consider listening to a top three podcast which is my other show doing top three lists we are going to take a break and when we come back it's spoiler time for near automata
Okay, I'm back with Andrew and Katie, and it's spoiler time for Near Automata. So, starting with Route A, uh, we are going to work our way through the routes, uh, but for people listening, we are not going to do every story beat because that would take, well, I would probably run out of storage space on my computer. It would take so long. <laughs> You um, need new chips. So <laughs> those upgrades are not cheap. <laughs> no, I mean this is this is a. I would have to just throw out the laptop and get something new because can't even upgrade this. So um, we gave that story description where you start out and um, it is a kind of emotionless war: androids versus machines, humans versus aliens. Um, as you go and you kind of do some tutorial type stuff. You meet the resistance camp, um, et cetera, et cetera. You go into the desert and the kind of first moment where both you and the characters, uh, 2B and 9S, uh, start to wonder like what the hell's going on here is you go into the desert. Um, you are, uh, following this robot that's running away from you yelling that it doesn't want to be killed. Um, and I, I like how I noticed this more on my, like on my replay. Um, but starting with those robots in the desert that are talking about being scared and that they don't want you to kill them and to be, or sorry, nine S I, I think brings it up. He's like, Hey, what's going on with them? And to be is like, they're just, they're machines. This is, they're just replicating. I think human 9S says they, that. they don't mean anything. Yeah. Okay, it's flipped. Swift, like to be just yeah. like, what, like they come out of that section there and she's like, what? Like what happened? Nice. Like they're just, they're replicating words. Like it doesn't mean anything. Right. It doesn't mean anything. And my first time I was like, yeah, sure. That makes sense. They're just saying words. I just say (laughs) words sometimes. (laughs) Um, But this robot runs away from you and you find this pit of robots that are all (laughs) fucking, they're all having a little robot orgy. And it's, this is one of those weird, like this is one of those, Kojima auteur scenes, yeah. right? This would not be in a game where it's more than one person making creative decisions, right, exactly. I think. But it's it's weird. And it it really, if you thought you had a handle on what this was going to be, this scene is like, first of all, like less than an hour into the game, I think, yeah. gets you right out of that yep. idea uh, where you're like, this is a faceless war against these war machines, mm-hmm. basically. Like if they're mindless killer robots why are they doing this yeah yep that's what i was referencing in the the non-spoiler section of like you you kind of hit that first like weird moment that starts playing with the ideas you know you know the humanity and all that and this is that moment where you're like okay i gotta keep going i need to figure out (laughs) what's happening here yeah i think that's one of the first moments where you're like okay not everything is as it seems there's there's more Mm -hmm. to this and yeah, you walk away from that really starting to think like something, something's not right here. And not only do you walk away from that moment wondering what those robots were doing, but also they kind of ball up and give birth to, um, I believe it's Adam. I can't remember if it's Adam or Eve that shows up. I think it's Adam. Yeah. Um, and you have a, boss fight with um adam who is at this time he's this naked thing (laughs) uh android looking thing uh androgynous uh thing this is a great moment for my wife to walk in the room and see the tv (laughs) as adam is just this 
this is one of those things that I kind of referred to as anime nonsense um, in (laughs) the non-spoiler part. The whole characters of Adam and Eve dip into that territory uh, sometimes. Mm -hmm. But this, like, first of all, the robots are having their orgy. And then um, after that, they give birth to this thing, android (laughs) thing. You fight it, you kill it, you think. And then things, the place collapses and you have to escape and, and everybody characters and yourself are thinking, all right, what the fuck is yeah. this game? Yeah. What's going on? What here? was that? <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a moment of what did I get myself into? And I can't wait to see where this goes. <laughs> yeah. And I don't have a ton of notes from root a, uh, probably because um, it's, of the roots, it's the most basic, and you're you're starting to like introduce and develop uh, themes of the game. But the biggest thing that you're working through is that the machines are slowly but surely moving through stages of intelligence and stages of forming society. Um, so you have this kind of primitive orgy type situation going on, but later on, the machines start to develop uh, religion. Um, you meet Pascal, you meet the machines that don't want to fight, the machines that have uh, kind of separated themselves from like that mindless network. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, the uh, scene later where they go berserk and start eating people. It's um, going through all these kind of, like I said, stages of society, stages of intelligence, working out like I'm thinking in my head, like they they obviously have some knowledge of humans and human society. So they're working through stages of this without the full picture. Right. Kind of. Yeah. And I think another big thing is that you realize the aliens were dead and they've been dead. And like, that's kind of what the whole game that the start is the premise on is like these aliens are sending these machines to take over the world. And this is why humans had to escape. And then you're like, but the aliens have been dead the entire time. Like, you're yeah. like, okay, now, like, what is really happening? And what, why are we doing this then? If what we thought the driving yeah. force of this was, is not here. So that definitely leads you to the end of, of route A. Well, I think that's about halfway through route A, but like that. Yeah. Then sets up some of the other stuff where you said, like, we kind of see more of Pascal's village. We see, like, the cannibalism and the the cults at the factory and what that leads to. And then, you know, you finally kind of culminate Route A, the fight at the end. Yeah, and you end up with, like, more questions kind of than answers at the end of Route A, which I think obviously is intentional. But it's like, yeah, it's it's setting things up and also – flipping everything that you thought you knew going into this game. Yeah. I think like the big thing from route a, the big takeaway for me is that route a is all about chipping away at two B and nine S's like reason to fight. Basically mm-hmm. you simultaneously find out that the machines are not this mindless killer uh, you meet friendly machines. You meet like one of the most lovable characters in the game, mm-hmm. Pascal, um, and all the people in the, all the uh, machines in the village there. So you find out they're not these heartless killers. And uh, the thing that you thought was sending them to fight against you, the aliens, 
have been dead for a long, long time. So it's just slowly chipping away at like this kind of setup that you were given. So um, I think that's the main thing for Route A, in addition to, like I said in the spoiler section, to be in 9S and their kind of growing relationship. So Adam and Eve uh, are present throughout most of to be in nine S's story, uh, we'll say. And, uh, this is just this, I think I don't, I want to say this is a taste thing. I don't like them as like characters much. It's, it's too anime for me, <laughs> but, um, I do like kind of the characterization of, uh, I believe that it's Adam. Who's the one who is like studying mm-hmm. humans and wishes to like fully understand the human experience yeah. And Eve is this, uh, basically a child. He just wants to go play. Especially when I learned that, um, Eve's voice actor is Noctis in Final Fantasy 15. That added (laughs) to it. Like every time I hear it, I'm just like, yeah, I could see why you would just want to goof off. Like you just went on a road trip with all your friends (laughs) for an entire (laughs) game. So yeah. But I enjoyed, like, I don't always enjoy the kind of, they they're set and if you don't dig I feel like if you don't dig at Adam and Eve or like really pay attention to the dialogue, then they feel like villains that are just there to be villains. Uh yeah. like on the surface level. They don't feel like there's a lot to them. They're just there because you need a villain. But uh, I actually on my replay and kind of paying a little bit more attention, I actually really kind of started to enjoy Adam's idea of like what makes you human versus what the robots think makes you mm-hmm. human. Um, the robots get into a little bit more like primitive things like sex and religion and stuff like not even religion, like kind of worship, uh, yeah. like cult worship basically. Uh, whereas Adam uh, seems to be like very, very curious about some deeper things. Yeah, like, what's the meaning of life? What does it mean to be human? Like, the more philosophy of what is existence and why are we here? Why were we put here? And Mm -hmm. why do we do the things that we do? So you have, like, the very basic, like, this is like the, I would say, like, the classic conundrum of, like, if you asked the average person on the street what it's like to be human and what you would ask, like, a philosopher what it's like to be human, like, this is... What the robots and Adam and Eve essentially have for us. <laughs> yeah. And so you get to the end of that, like, Adam and Eve um, quest, at least in Route A, um, into that that weird kind of artificial tower room, which I'm still not exactly sure, like, what's totally going on with that. But uh, you get separated from 9S uh, during this fight out on, like, the shoreline. And um, this ending for Adam, uh, at least, is that Adam decides that the most human thing is to embrace death or that that's an exp- like a wholly human experience mm-hmm. that if he wishes to truly understand humans, he's got to experience it. So after fighting you for a while, it feels like he's just like, oh, this is this is the real mm-hmm. shit. I got to <laughs> uh, I got to let her kill me. So it's it's an interesting um, kind of ending to that thing that started out, like I said, it it felt very mustache twirly villain. And it it ended up going in a a bit of a deeper direction than I expected. And I, 
I think that's what I really like about this game is like you start the game thinking that it's very, oh, yeah, I'm just going to fight robots and I'm going to save the world and humans are going to come back. And that's what the game is. But then as you delve deeper into it, you start to unpeel the layers of what the story is actually telling you. And that is like what the human experience is. Why do we fight? Why? What are our motivations for the lives that we lead? And it, it gets really deep and it gets dark. So I think that's what I really like. Cause like you said, you know, Adam and Eve do feel like that. Like I need a villain. So here's your villain. But then you realize that they're really not the villains of the story ultimately. No. And like, that's kind of one of those twists. You're like, Oh yeah, this is so gimmicky. Of course, Adam and Eve. Haha. <laughs> like, obviously right. <laughs> we get the reference. Little on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very on the nose, but I think that was done on purpose because then once you realize that like they're not actually the ultimate villains and that they're there to do it, to tell you a deeper story of what's going on. Like they're, they're just the vessel for you examining your own actions, your own motivations for like what you're doing throughout the game that, that I think that just is so good. It's such good storytelling. Yeah. It's like the kind of the whole, the whole game at its core is like on the surface, it's kick-ass anime, babe killing robots and like yep. that sounds fun that's a fun time <laughs> that's the hook. that sounds yeah. like yeah that's good video gaming but then you get into it and similar to what you've been talking about adam and eve kind of being really generic on the surface the more you get into it the more you stick with it the more you play it and, and the more you uh pick up on what they're they're trying to to say it's like oh yeah this is not what i was expecting just from the cover art of this game. Yeah. This is yeah way deeper. It's doing something completely different and unique. And I think that that's really cool. It's a cool twist. Yeah. So you kill Adam and then you have a boss fight against Eve and it's very different how uh, fighting against Adam is almost this, like you're fighting, like you're fighting a curious uh, villain against Adam. And then you're fighting like this, just, primal rage against eve because he's mad because you killed adam and you go through that uh, nice difference between the two of them there and i didn't notice this the first time i played but after that's over 9s gets corrupted 2b has to kill 9s and i didn't notice this the first time i played or like didn't key in on this line uh, but it makes total sense later on is as 9s is tearfully or as 2b is tearfully choking 9s to death uh, she yells, it always ends like this. And yeah. it, when I first played, I think I thought, because uh, there's, you know, the Android bodies die, their consciousness gets put in a new body. It happens a couple times uh, in each route. I thought that that's what that was about. And I thought that's a really clever, like, that's not what she's talking about. And you don't find yeah. out until so much later that she's actually talking about her entire reason for existence, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's that's when you get the knife in the heart. Yeah. <laughs> when when that's finally revealed in later routes, which I don't know if, how much you want to get into that here, or if we'll talk about that when we get to the later routes. Yeah, but. we can just th we can just say like um, the route A spoiler wall is over now, and we're moving into yeah. route B. <laughs> yeah, all these sub spoiler walls. <laughs> yeah, so uh, moving into route B. 
wanted to like scream this during the non-spoiler part i chose not to but uh, i like root b a lot and there's a it it might be the weakest root of the game but i still like it a lot for what it does oh yeah and it's they do a lot of things to make root b kind of breeze by i want to say you don't have to do the same side quests over and over again. A lot of um, a lot of scenes are either skipped or breezed through. You don't have to have the same conversations over again. Uh, you're playing as 9S in Route B, and you're playing through Route A again, but from his perspective. Same story, um, but from his perspective. And during the times when the two of them were separated, you get to see 9S's side of things. Uh, you get to see extra... Um, Cutscenes, I want to say, that give you context for a lot of stuff. Like yes. I wrote down uh, the boss in the amusement park uh, that you're fighting. You get a ton of like backstory about like what that robot was after, basically. Mm-hmm. That um, tragic story. Yeah. Yeah. It's-, <laughs> it's just so good. It's like you don't. I think like when I first booted up Route Route B. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, like, am I really playing through the same thing? But like, as it went on, I was like, oh, I'm learning more information. Ooh, that's that's interesting. And like, I really liked the yeah, like the amusement park boss, Simone, like you find out she has a name, you find out why she did the things that she did. And it's just like, it's so relatable. It's so relatable. And that like harkens back to, I believe uh like the the countess elizabeth bathory from like the 1400s in budapest maybe where she is said to be one of the original inspirations for dracula because she would she thought that bathing in virgin blood would keep her young so she would like gather virgins from the village and like she would torture them and bathe in her blood now how much of that is a real story versus how much was sensationalized by her enemies but like that it that i think that's probably where that thought came from like that idea of like if i eat these androids i will become beautiful too and it's it's dark it's dark but it's so cool (laughs) It's also a bit of the difference between the way 2B approaches the world of machines in Mm -hmm. Route A. You don't get any of this backstory. It's just an evil robot that is torturing, killing, etc. androids. And you kill it, and you don't really get any backstory. In Route B, when you're playing as 9S, 9S is the more curious of the two, uh, the one who asks questions about why things are happening most of the time. Sometimes 9S is like, whatever, they're just robots, shut up. But most <laughs> of the time, 9S is the one asking questions. In Route B, you do you start to get this backstory. And um, it's, I don't know if this is super intentional, but in Route B, you do get more context for things instead of just killing everything. And I think like at the beginning of Route B and what you definitely see in Route A is that at first, 9S is very, well, this is just the way things are. And that's, it's factual. Mm-hmm. But then as it progresses and as things unfold and as new information becomes available, he, then he starts to question things, which I think leads into like what you eventually find out, I guess, in route C. 
um, more about like the actual nature of 2B and INS's, uh, relationship and just how long it's actually been going on. So it's, it's like watching a child grow up. They, you know, like you start it with, well, that's just the way things are. And that's what you were told. And that's what you do. But then like, as you experience the world, then you start to question everything. And then you start to find out the truth of the matter. And I think us as humans go through that all the time, where we start with one worldview. And as we grow and experience new things, then we start to question, well, what has has my entire existence been a lie? So it it's it's nice to like go through that journey with 9s yeah. after knowing how kind of how we get to the end of that route. Yeah, I I really like uh route B from a story perspective and from like everything you guys are talking about you get more information, you're learning things 9s is way more curious, you're kind of learning more or getting some things answered or developed from the questions that you uh you were presented with in route A I will say it was my least of the 3 as far as playing it I don't really like playing uh 9S because a lot of it is that hacking mini game yeah but in general like you were saying Dave I think they did a lot of stuff to help kind of keep it moving and you were getting so much more information that was different or new that I thought it was still fresh. It still was worth playing. Yeah. Cause yeah, when you boot right back in and it's like, Oh, we've started over. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know how I feel about this pretty quickly. It's like, okay, no, this is different. And, and so I, I liked, I liked playing it. I loved the, like the story implications and the world building and that kind of stuff. Didn't necessarily love the gameplay. I'm, I think I prefer the like, the fast-paced action stuff and that's just like personal preference yeah but. yeah yeah it's I, I forgot to mention uh it starts with this just really sad little vignette about this robot trying to like oh, save man. his brother <laughs> that was terrible how many times did you spill the <laughs> spill the oil because you were trying Lots to speed time. that up yeah yeah because he oh walks so slowly and if you um the only way to get somewhere faster is to jump, but you can't jump while holding a, the bucket of uh, of grease or Learn whatever that the it hard is. Way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really, really sad little vignette. Just again, humanizing the robots like uh, a little bit more each time. Yeah. Um, I I really enjoy the gameplay as nine S. Like I I just fucking love the hacking game. I, I even in the regular combat, like never really got sick of it and. It's so much faster when you're fighting uh, bosses to hack your way through them yes. than it is to fight as like 2B style or mm-hmm. uh, A2 style. So um, I, yeah, really liked uh, Root B. A little bit of uh, context. We didn't mention the uh, um, robots in the forest, but it's another little story uh, that you get in uh, Root A that there is kind of like a robot kingdom in the forest um, again, mm-hmm. stages of society, they're kind of splintering off and forming their own systems. You have Pascal's village of pacifists. You have the robot kingdom out in the forest. Um, Route B kind of gives you more context on that too. So those machines were also tired of fighting. They decided to form a uh, kingdom out there. When that leader died, 
they transferred the consciousness into this little baby robot because they mm-hmm. they still just don't quite understand the whole picture. Again, it's like the robots are trying to mirror and like emulate all these human things, but they just don't know enough about yeah. humans. So they're like, oh, uh, babies. Okay, we'll we'll put it in this baby, and uh, eventually where it will it grow up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Eventually it'll grow up because that's what human babies do. And uh, then uh, in, in route A, I don't think you get any of this. You just make it to like where you th- think the leader is, and A two kills it. And then in route B, you get all this context for like what that is, and then A two kills it. <laughs> and, and then you're like, well, oh. <laughs> yeah there's so like, much work point, put into that yeah exactly it's like now you're starting to like endear yourself to the robots a little bit and you're just like oh why'd you gotta kill that little robot baby come yeah. on what's what was it gonna do <laughs> yeah and that's how they frame a2 as like a villain is yeah. you know because from your perspective and then you're getting chatter over your like your comms saying oh she's a defector take her yeah. out kill her immediately before she kills you right so yeah and they, you try they to do ask some questions and they like right. on the on the comms they don't have any space for it there's like nope she's your enemy kill her yep exactly so they yeah they they do a good job of framing her as a villain in that sense so that when you finally get to route c when we break through that spoiler wall you know it's a it's a another big twist you know yeah so i guess the only other things for route b uh that i have are just a little bit more human like uh characterization for adam and eve um you get a, a bit more scenes of adam kind of there's they're sitting at this like comically long like dinner table those scenes um, Adam kind of posing these questions and Eve is like, can we go play? Like, please, can we just go <laughs> do something fun? Um, a lot more of those scenes, uh, that makes, um, you know, you have to fight them again cause you're going through the same, uh, story stuff, or at least you have to fight Eve again, um, at yeah. the end. And then the same ending, uh, where 2B chokes 9S, uh, but two girls in red dresses are watching at the end of route B, uh, which I understand that they have a big part in replicant uh not really i think in the remake they added more to the ending to add them in because like they added stuff to the replicant remaster that came out okay. last year because there were two um, versions kind of, of near recon it in before mm-hmm. there was the there was uh there was near there was gestalt and replicant i think right? yeah um, and the main difference was in Gestalt, like it's the same story, it's the same game. However, in Gestalt, the um the relationship the dad, right? between the yeah the yeah in Gestalt, it's a brother and a sister. You're a brother looking for your sister, and replic and replicant, it was dad and daughter. And then when they did the remaster that came out last year, they went back to brother sister. Gotcha. Okay. So anyway, those two are there uh, during that like climactic final scene. Um, and I wondered the second, no, not the, the fourth time I watched this scene where 2B chokes 9S to death. Why does choking kill him? Like they don't, they don't have lungs. I'm not sure why choking him kills him, but it does. She's very good at it. She kills him again. And we're on to root C. Maybe they put like a kill switch in his neck or something. You yeah, know. I don't know. <laughs> they, they wanted to simulate um, how you kill humans. I don't know. So yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Built in weakness in the androids. Yep. 
So Route C begins, and we're finally on to new story content. Um, and I should say, when Route B started, and I realized what was happening the first time, I was ecstatic to be able to see that story again from another point of view. Like, that never got old to me. And yeah. on the replay, I was just all about that hacking minigame. Can't overstate <laughs> that. I was all about it. But um, on to Route C, and it's very clear that we're on to new stuff, and we're, like, continuing the story. So... Um, you have this uh, really uh, probably the hardest fight in the game, yes. in my opinion, when the Yorha units get infected and you have to you have to kill all of them while mm-hmm. your systems are being taken away from you uh, yeah. because of this virus, this uh, computer logic virus. And it really hard fight, like one of the only like memorably difficult fights in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Difficult to spike. The second hardest part for me. <laughs> Yeah, that definitely uh, was was challenging for sure, just because like they, they put a lot of, you know, you're losing the ability to use different things like there's visual glitches. It's you're trying to move. It's not working right. And like that's part of the story, because obviously it's a machine. The machine is breaking down. I like but it that definitely was a challenging part for sure. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Like I really like the way that they made you feel that desperation in that fight. Like there's, mm-hmm. I think there's a reason why it's harder than fighting Adam and Eve or fighting one of the big robots. Yeah. Cause this was probably the hardest fight in like the, the story sense, you know, they're fighting against all of these other attack androids basically while mm-hmm. this virus is corrupting and stuff like that. So um, really difficult from gameplay perspective, but very good uh, from a story perspective, making you feel that. And that mm-hmm. continues um, afterwards uh, when Ugh. you go to the bunker, uh, everyone in the bunker gets infected. Um, and then after that, you are back down on the surface and 2B gets infected. And I was like, this kind of that moment where I was like, oh shit, like, I don't know, yeah. what do you, what do you have to do? You have to like go upload your consciousness again or something like that, but the bunker's fucked. Yeah, that part definitely was, I think it took me like two attempts before I realized exactly where I needed to go and what I needed to do. Yeah. Um, But as a player, that was challenging and a little frustrating, but it makes sense story-wise. Like, obviously, it, it but it was heartbreaking because I was like, I know what's about to happen. Like, don't make me go do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't, don't make me do this. Um. So, I, and then when, you know, to be finally, I, I remember when I got to that bridge and I blew up and I was just like, if I have to do this all over again, <laughs> but like, you, you, it like, it glitches for a second and then you move on a little bit more. But it was just that moment of like, if I didn't reach the checkpoint by that, <laughs> I'm going to rage. But it, I think that just made it even more heartbreaking. Yeah. And then, like, when she finally, when she gets stabbed and Ines is there and she's like, oh, nines. And she says nines. I yeah. was sobbing. I was just like, oh. Yeah, it was like, genuinely I, I heartbreaking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was, was heartbreaking. Very there. tragic. They do the work in that moment because you start yeah. out and you're in that, like, coast area. And mm. as the systems are failing for 2B, you have to drag her all the way. It takes, like, five to 10 minutes. It takes a long time 
for you to get from this place. She's trying to get to a place away from others so that if her, you know, if she explodes or something, she won't um, harm other people or other androids. So you have this long thing where you're like dragging yourself. There's robots trying to attack you. You're trying to avoid the robots and get to this place. Um, it's a long time to think about like if 2B is going to make it basically. And like by this point in the game, I'm like, I love 2B. I love 9S. I love these characters. And so by Mm -hmm. this point in the game, I was like, fuck, this is like, I'm really like, I'm like nervous playing. I'm like, this is bad. This is really bad guys. Like this (laughs) this is not going to end well. And uh, uh, on my replay, so you come out of that sewer um, and you are supposed to go left out of the sewer Mm -hmm. and you go up a ramp and then you get on the path to the bridge on my replay. I just couldn't figure it out. It took me like five (laughs) tries. I kept going right and Mm. you can get like far enough that you think it's the right way, but it's not, you can't get back up to the main level and there's a bunch of robots there that will just corner you and they'll knock you off the ledge down into the cave at the bottom And it was very frustrating until I like, I took a step back from the game and I was like, Dave, dude, like you're, something's not like, this is not a difficult game. Figure this out. This is like, (laughs) they're not trying to trick you here. And I was like, oh, you just turn left. The ramp is right there. Yeah. But it's, it's a great buildup to like this climactic scene that kicks off the rest of the game. Yeah. I, I, I think like to what you're saying it's like yeah obviously just turn left the ramps right there but like that moment is so chaotic because you realize that you are quickly losing your ability to do anything you can't sprint she starts hobbling so like there's that sense of urgency of like oh my god and like you know what's out there you're like i'm gonna have to traverse all that i'm not gonna be able to fight anything i'm gonna be literally limping and hobbling along so it it definitely added to that like chaotic sense of oh my god i have to i have to get out of here but how am i gonna survive where i need to go (laughs) yeah so you mentioned it before but what happens is 2b gets across the bridge and she runs into a2 um and 2B knows what's up. She knows that there's there's no coming back uh, from this. So she asks A2 to kill her. Uh, A2 obliges, but 9S just happens to see that uh, from a distance, uh, too far away for anyone to explain anything to each other. Um, Everyone's favorite storytelling device. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no communication um, at all. To to be fair, he's very far away, and then he falls yeah. down into the uh, the chasm there. But mm-hmm. uh, you're right, like. Um, 9S had been trying for the entire game to get 2B to soften up a little bit and call him by his nickname, uh, Nines, and she finally does uh, as she's Ugh. dying there. It's a, yeah, it's a nice little moment. I um, definitely cried. I'm not going to, I'm not afraid to admit it. I yeah. cried everything, though, but I cried because it was just <laughs> like, this is everything that he was hoping for. Yeah. But, and now it's all gone. Uh-huh. Exactly. And he blames it all on A2. Yeah, and he freaks out. And this uh, that just breaks something inside of his brain. And so 9S uh, is no longer the curious, like, cute anime boy. He is just full-on warpath. I'm going to kill her, and I'm going to kill everyone who's in my way. Uh, the rest of the game. 
And I think I've, I've had some people say that it seemed out of character and I have to disagree with that thought because if you think about it from the perspective that like at this point, he now knows that like the humans have been dead for a long time. All of this is a complete ruse, which we didn't even talk about in route B, but in route B, we realize the humans are dead. They're extinct. There's no more humans. So this whole war that you've been fighting is for no reason other than for the sake of fighting a war because androids need something to do. Right. <laughs> so you have this, you have this information now that like your entire existence is a lie. You're not fighting for anything because what you thought you were fighting for doesn't exist anymore. And now you're seeing all of your friends start going crazy like they're all infected and dying and now the one person you care about that you were hoping that you can be like i'm going to tell them this information and we can just leave all of this behind we can go i don't know what we'll do but we we don't have to do this anymore and before you get a chance to do that you see her stabbed yeah i feel like that's gonna break anyone like that's gonna break anyone's brain that would break my brain I think so I feel like and then at that point you're like what what what's the point then burn it down like there there's literally nothing left to live for because the one thing that I thought I could at least eke out some sort of existence with is now gone so what's the point why are we here it doesn't matter I'm going to get my revenge and then I'm going to die and that's it that's it because that's all apparently this life is good for yep and if that isn't like the human existence right there. I don't know. <laughs> like... You say that as uh, like, as nine S is like sharply losing all reasons uh, for him to continue living. Um, yeah. While you've been watching the robots evolve and gain more reasons to keep living at the same time. Yeah. And like you have Adam and Eve trying to figure it out on their own and the pods uh, who, you start probably by this point, you've started to see little conversations between them, but that continues mm-hmm. as we go too. Uh, so like sharp decline for nine S here, uh, while others are growing and it's, uh, just, yeah, again, so much praise for the way this story's told. Yeah. Yeah. So a two kills nine S or kills two B nine S sees it, uh, freaks out, but falls into, um, this like, gorge i guess whatever you want to say it um and now you play as a2 and i definitely didn't expect this i didn't expect to be able to play as um a2 Mm -hmm. and when you fully take control of a2 you don't know anything about her except the fact that uh root a and b told you that she's dangerous and that she's the enemy and that's all you know and she cuts her hair off uh, as soon as she takes um, 2B's weapons. I'm not sure why. Anyone have a guess? Did, did 2B <laughs> have short hair? Yeah. 2B has she short did. hair, yeah. So maybe it's it was also like easier to fight thing. with short hair. Well, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, but maybe she knows there's a lot more fighting to be had and short hair is uh, less of a liability in a fight, I guess. Yeah, these androids bit, yeah. were designed for practicality. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. As 2B yeah. runs around in high heels. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, that's... You know. Yeah. No, but I loved A2. I think she as you get to get to know her more became one of my favorite characters. She has that kind of personality that I 
enjoy just in stories and stuff that kind of over it personality mm-hmm. and so yeah I, I liked yeah i liked this <laughs> this section a lot yeah that's it's a good summation of her attitude 2b is very businesslike 9s is very curious a2 is over it yeah so you uh control her um you can also um you get the choice uh the pods give you a choice of when to play a2 sections and when to play 9s sections uh during this um it i don't think it really matters i don't think they'll let you progress past a point like if you play too many of one section they'll just be like hey you gotta play 9s now so yeah because yeah. i don't think i even really fully understood that's what was happening when it was like the pods and you were kind of like picking i didn't like i couldn't remember whose was whose anyways so i was kind of doing them at random <laughs> yeah and it all still came together yeah i i think like if you just chose to do like all of a2 I think there's like three sections and then once you do those three it's it forces you to be 9s or you can bounce back and forth because I think what they're trying to get at is that these these are happening simultaneously but obviously you can't do that as two different characters as one person playing the game so like this is their way of saying like these two storylines are happening at the same time but you're just gonna get to pick which one you're gonna path you're going to go down right now but you're going to don't worry you're going to go to the other path too at some point yeah and then the two paths shall meet in the future One of the most affecting scenes in this uh, route C uh, for me was uh, when you A2 kind of um, gets to know Pascal a little bit like standoffish at first because that's how she is. And then um, you are on a mission to help Pascal at the factory, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah. And this is kind of part of that growth of the machines and their like quest to um, be more human and this is a giant backfire uh from pascal in trying to teach the uh children of the village how to be uh, more human Uh, pascal teaches them about fear and uh other human emotions and that is too much for them and they all kill themselves and then yeah that was uh rough like extremely heartbreaking moment yeah (laughs) especially for pascal pascal there there's not a bad circuit in pascal's body like pascal is such a solid person and um this just backfires so hard yeah and it's just heartbreaking and then you have the choice of either killing pascal or wiping his memory right what did you guys do i wiped his memory yeah i I didn't kill him I I i didn't have the heart to kill him but if you wipe his memory he goes back to the village and then he actually sells you the body parts. Oh, I don't know if you've geez. noticed yeah. that. <laughs> that is what I did because I remember that happening. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is almost He goes back to the village. He's like, he's like, what is all of this stuff? Why is all of this stuff here? And then you can look and you can actually buy machine parts. And I think the implication is like, he's just picking them up and like, oh, if you need an arm, here's an arm. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> Which brutal. Is just, 
again, Yoko Taro has a way of telling the story to make you feel like a complete asshole and stab you in the heart. And you go back for more and you're like, what else do you have for me? Yeah. Because there's still more game to play. So what else? How else am I going to feel like a piece of crap today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. My first the moment- playthrough. Go ahead, Andrew. I was going to say from the moment that 2B dies, it just there's not really another kind of happy thing in this game. Like it just kind of no. just keeps on spiraling down. It's like, oh, well, surely it can't get any worse than this. And then it starts raining. You know, that whole classic joke that is like the last third of this game is like oh what's next just another punch to the gut especially yeah. after i don't know if you did the side quest of a2 and pascal's village where she builds the slide for all the little machine children uh. and then like <laughs> five minutes later it's just death and destruction it's yeah. just yeah. like why you gotta do this to me <laughs> yeah it is it is a really sad uh route in in route c and not just like from overtly sad things like all the the village robots killing themselves uh, because they can't handle the idea of fear um just the revelations that you learn too there's nothing yep. good at nope. all uh for the rest of the game um and so i was going to say in my first playthrough i wiped pascal's memories in my second playthrough i killed pascal um, because i saw what happened the first time and it's i was just like I've gone through a period of personal growth, I guess, uh, since I first played the game where I am pro uh, euthanasia in situations like this. So I killed Pascal. Um, I didn't mention this before, but I like how uh, Pascal and some of the other characters are deliberately not gendered, um, even though Pascal is a, a male sounding name. That's not how Pascal's voice sounds. Right. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's like an androgynous. I mean, it's a machine picking names. Right. I'm, sh- I'm sure, like, it picked a name for itself. It probably just found it in some archive and was like, oh, Pascal, I kind of like that name. Yeah. Without any implication of what that means, which is, again, a, a commentary on names and how people perceive themselves. Yeah. And I said it before, that's this is a game where names are really important. If you want to dig, um, which... I know the name Pascal from science, but I didn't dig any further than that. Um, but there are people on YouTube, they're like excellent, like breakdowns of so many of the side characters and their names and what their names mean. Yeah. This is a game for people like that. Uh, so anyway, um, I was kind of hinting at this before, but the other thing uh, you find out like right after this is that not only are the aliens dead, not only are the humans dead, uh, not only was um, like Yorha basically just a thing to keep the androids busy because they need a purpose. Uh, they're also made from reused machine parts. So they're like just just the the wall that has been separating the androids from the machines the whole game fully crumbled. They are yep. almost exactly the same thing. They're just more purpose built, maybe more well constructed. Yeah, right. I guess. Yeah. That was another one of those moments where we were like, I'm sorry, what did you just say? <laughs> like, did, did I hear that right? That like, <laughs> our, our essential being is actually from a machine yeah. part? And we've been... Oh, 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 man, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> yeah. I've been murdering these things for 60 hours at this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
So this is why I, um, the next thing I had here is why I had figured that, uh, Devola and Popola are, um, important in the story of Replicant, uh, because, yeah, because of, uh, this thing. (laughs) And this is a spoiler for the story in near Replicant. As far as I like big spoiler, Katie. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, but yes. it's, it's in this game. So if you're but listening yeah, so to this, yeah, I, I think if you, if you play this game first, you know that it's already related to replicant. So you're going into it with that knowledge. Um, it, it's one of those things where like, if you, if you played the first, this moment kind of, not that it hits harder because obviously you know what, replicant has led to this point but you kind of see how they ended up yeah because it it does have that long text thing about like about them and you kind of find out okay this is their this is what happened to them yeah or a version of them yeah and so when you get to the tower fight with them it makes it more impactful yeah so they they tell you that they're responsible they were responsible for something called the black scrawl uh killing the humans and uh they as penance or punishment for this uh they've had their memory wiped and programmed to constantly feel guilt that's their <laughs> that's existence rough, now <laughs> it's yeah and it's it's just another one of these like things that keeps happening uh you know machine in root c machines kill themselves uh, you find out that the androids are made from machine parts. Uh, you meet these characters. They seem nice. Oh, they're programmed to feel guilt constantly. That sounds like it sucks. Because they killed the humans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's uh, just, yeah, one brutal thing after another. Then you go in the tower, going through the tower as 9S and uh, 2A, or A2. A2 following 9S, I think. Uh, 9S mm-hmm. goes into a room and has to fight a room full of 2Bs. Which uh, was certainly not fun for him. No. <laughs> no, that that was again just like salt on the wound of yeah all of this. Like, and I think even just fueled his spiral even more. Yeah, this section felt very chaotic. Like, I really kind of felt like I was in Nine S's like headspace because it was just so out there. Uh, this is also the section I was talking about alluding to earlier where I had to drop the difficulty because there was one specific hacking minigame towards the end of this that I just could oh, not damn. get. It would just like, I know exactly which one. It was driving me about. nuts. And so I finally, I just went in, dropped it to easy, uh, like nuked it. Like dropping the difficulty was a significant like change. And then I brought it back up for the rest. But it was, I was legitimately like, raging and getting frustrated i was like i just i need to get past this then i can (laughs) can come back yeah i think like the (laughs) tower and some of the hacking mini games i think were the only times where like i really hated the hacking stuff i was just like this is excessively complicated yeah yeah um i i mean i did get through it but it was definitely a little bit more frustrating than it should have been i probably should have dropped the difficulty that would have been easier i didn't even think of doing (laughs) <laughs> i was just like no i'm gonna brute force it <laughs> <laughs> i wish i could relate i i just love the hacking like i never got <laughs> tired of it um i did 
get stuck uh, fighting the boss as you're you're climbing, you're fighting this. Um, you fight the two individual bosses, and then they fuse together as one at the end, and you mm-hmm. have to fight them with nine S and a two. Um, and I, there's not a good checkpoint system uh, throughout that boss mm-hmm. fight. So if you die, you have to do the whole thing. And I died a couple of times, uh, which that sucks. Didn't yeah. mention before, but did either of you ever die in the opening sequence? Because there's no checkpoint. I might have died my very first time. Like but... the very beginning of the game. You can't yeah. save until you get to the bunker. And that's oh, really right. shitty, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that. But I think it was just like... This is Yokotar's way of saying, listen, buck up. There's no autosave. You want to get through it? You better survive. But, like, if I think I did, I don't remember. Or maybe I didn't, but my sister did. So I saw her struggle. But, like, at that point, I kind of knew what was coming. And, again, I don't think it's an overly difficult game where I was just like, okay, if I died once, I just, I wasn't managing my heels or I hit the wrong button and didn't do what I needed to do to stay alive. So next time I'll definitely get it. And I don't think I've like any time that happened, I didn't struggle more than once. Okay. Like after that, I don't think I really had any like devastating losses, but I'm a compulsive saver. So if I walked past yeah. a save point, I was like, all right, stop and saving, stop and yeah. saving. Me too. Anytime I saw a little thing like within the saving range, I was like, all right, doing a quick save because yeah, I hate losing progress, but yeah. I don't think like overall it was that I didn't struggle too much with it. That's good. Yeah. So back to the tower. Back to the tower. 9S um, kills all the two bees. Uh, he rips one of their hands off because he has a stump at this point. He rips one of their hands off and puts it on his stump. Uh, so he has a cute 2B hand now. And uh, moving on, another just like you thought you had hit rock bottom with <laughs> Yorha and their reason for existence, but then it, go- it gets worse somehow. Um, so you get the revelation here that uh, not only are the aliens dead, the humans dead, and uh, the androids made from machine parts, not only that, but uh, the idea that the humans still lived, uh, which gave them the reason to keep fighting, uh, was implanted by the machines into the bunker. And that the Yorha units um, got this idea that they were still alive from the machines, Uh, So I don't know. It it makes me wonder, like, is this the machines toying with them or was this some because I don't think this is explained, but um, is this just the machines fucking with them, like displaying a higher degree of intelligence than we had given them credit for? Or um, was this just something else entirely? I'm not sure. 
Yeah, that I think, and that's a good question. And you could probably have an entire podcast episode on just <laughs> I'm that sure question. Someone has. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it was the machines saying, "Wow, you looked like." I mean, obviously, you look at the machines, like the little robots, the little stumpy things, the one that couldn't jump with a bucket without spilling it everywhere. And then you have these very sophisticated androids. And it's easy to be like, you know, the androids look down on the machines. Obviously, they were killing them. They saw them as lesser. For then to the machine to be like, we're the reason that you even have a purpose or that you're doing anything. Yeah. So it's definitely a big you know, mind warp right there with that. But also there is no purpose well, because it's, it's why not, why not mess with it? Because you can. And I think like, I, I think that's kind of what gets Yoko Taro off is like, <laughs> I, I think like he makes this and he's like, there's really no purpose, but he enjoys seeing people try to twist and find purpose in things other than, because why not? Because I can. Yeah. And even at this point, when the floor has fallen away, yeah. like so long ago, like uh, <laughs> just to keep like removing layers that would have given them purpose at all. Yes. It's like, oh, did you, okay, so you think that your life was a joke, but you don't know how big of a joke it actually was. Yeah. This is uh, the revelations we're getting here. So. It's, and I think it's just it goes to show that humans will find purpose in anything, that they will search and twist facts and situations so that they feel like there's a purpose for it. Yeah. Even if the, the creator's like, there's no purpose. I did it for fun. And people are just like, no, no, no. Let me tell you, for this reason, there's a purpose. <laughs> yeah. It makes me think that, like, we, we know that there is, like, huge intelligence in the robot network, even though the robots that they fight are, you know, like you said, the ones that can't carry a bucket without falling over. That's most of the robots that you fight throughout the game. But uh, this revelation makes me just think that there was uh, like a lot more intelligence happening behind the scenes than you really see for most of the game. And even like until the end of the game here, there's still probably more robot intelligence or machine intelligence than you even see in the game. Um, But just this, like this one kind of revelation kind of sparks all of that. So 9S and 2A are both climbing the tower destined uh, for a showdown. Um, If you don't see that coming, then I I don't know what to tell you, but it's a cathartic (laughs) climb, Uh, just constant like combat challenges over and over again, fighting this one boss over and over again. Until they meet at the top, the bosses fuse together. You have to fight uh, 2B, not 2B, A2 and 9S have to um, fight together to kill that boss. This is where you learn the final just absolute nail in the coffin for 9S. Uh, 9S is just none of the revelations in this game are kind to 9S. The entire purpose of 2B Uh, 2B is a specialized uh, version of a different model of Android. Her entire purpose was to kill 9S when he discovers the truth of it all, uh, because 9S is too smart uh, for his own good. (laughs) And so they created 2B to keep killing him over and over again. And that's why 2B says at the end of Route A, it always ends this way. Yep, it came full circle. And if that didn't have you crying... I don't know what will. Katie's just like crying the whole like last like, like 15 hours whole, of this game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's 
I mean, because, like, if that isn't an ultimate of, like, what did I just experience moment, like, there's no words for that because I don't think you could really see that coming. No, because they experience these revelations together throughout the story to be in 9S. And it makes you really think about all those times when they were like, let's do that black box explosion. And two B's like, yeah, okay. I mean, this is, this is my job anyway. So mm-hmm. here we go. Right. And I think it definitely adds to her coldness because yeah. she, I mean, we get the feeling that this has probably been going on for years hundreds of years thousands of years like we don't know how long the yorha project's been going on but it's been going on a long time so we we get the implication that she's had to do this over and over and over and obviously they're androids with some like they're mimicking humans so she does start to develop these feelings but then she has to kill him and everything that they experience together is now wiped away and she's starting over and you can see that like you know at the beginning she's very cold and aloof but like as they experience stuff together she starts to soften a little bit and becomes more akin and then it ends in a tragedy where she has to kill him and she kind of has to do it all over again and it's just that's heartbreaking it's just utterly heartbreaking but such good storytelling because you don't see it coming no that absolutely blindsided me yeah and it it does make you think back on all those times especially like in the opening hours of the game when 9s is like you can call me nines like my friends call me that she's like (laughs) no 9s is fine yeah no she can't, she's trying not to get attached. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think she, she even says like this, e- even in the moment, it felt like a robotic line where she was like, emotions are not permitted. And I was like, okay, like your robot's fine. I get it. But then later when you find out like, oh, uh, yeah, that's okay. That's why she's, she wants to stay so detached uh, from him. Yeah. Cause she ultimately knows what it's going to end in. And yeah to have to do that over and over and then you listen to the song weight of the world and you're just like (laughs) oh i get it now yeah (laughs) is this the price i have to pay it's like oh 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 that it just hits so hard (laughs) so now that we have all this we're ready for that showdown uh between 9s and a2 um and so you get to pick both like when you finish one you go right back you you have a chapter select at this point so you can pick uh that moment right before the showdown and you can pick the other person but i just want to ask you guys um if you could only pick one if this was a game where you just you pick one and that's your game and you're you're done you have to start a whole new game if you want to see the other ending uh which one would you have picked are you on team a2 or team 9s I was team A2. I, I put 9S Same. down. Yeah. It, it, that was really my motivation to my first time. 9S was clearly like... He had lost He had it. to go. Yeah. 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 And a I, mercy I killing of sorts too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I was definitely team A2 at first. Um, just because like... It's like there, there's only... This is how your pain's gonna end 
Yeah, and it, <laughs> there's no other way. <laughs> it felt like A2 had maintained who she was at that point. Like she was still the same. Yeah. Like she was over it, but she was still A2, where 9S at that point yeah. had changed into something else completely. So it was almost kind of like, you know, the classic zombie storyline of, oh, don't kill them. They're, they're my relative. That That's not them anymore. They're a zombie now. It, yeah. it was the same thing yeah. where it's like 9S had become a monster. He wasn't himself anymore. So yeah, that, that to me felt like the better choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Like maybe you've been beaten out of this like train of thought, but you might think like that there's a life after all of this for A2. There's no, there's nothing for 9S right. at all. So he's, you got to put him out of his misery. So that's just happens to be root C's ending anyway. Uh, A2 fights 9S. Uh, tries to fix the corruption uh, inside of him. The tower collapses. Uh, she has this quote as it's collapsing. Um, I never realized how beautiful this world was. I'm coming, everyone. I'm coming. Which you don't get much backstory for A2, but that quote there tells you that there is a lot of history. Something happened with A2 uh, that disenfranchised her from Yorha a long time ago. Um, so Don't you yeah, get that nice story... With an anemone, as yeah, I, you do yeah, the you, resistance camp leader, and I never finished that quest. Yeah, you can get a lot of it's a lot of like it's either text or just like audio logs, but yeah, it kind of explains. Yeah. And I think I sat there and listened to that whole thing or read it because it was very fascinating. But yeah, and then this this ties right into that. But yeah, tragic, okay. of course, not a happy ending. <laughs> no, 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 of course not. So that's uh, Route C. You see the credits, and then you can load up again and do the other side of that fight, fighting as 9S. When you beat A2, by the way, I like how these fights are not difficult at all. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. easy to take out 9S. It's easy to take out A2. This is a story moment, um, and the fights are almost secondary. Uh, I think that's really good because given the two of them, like, a2 would be really difficult for 9S to kill, yeah. I think. And yeah. when you're fighting 9S, he does try to hack you and stuff. And I like that. Yeah. I like that as like a, a mechanic. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so 9S is ending. A2 remembers 2B's last words, uh, which were to take care of 9S. Um, both of them run each other through with their swords. Um, 9S dies uh, very brutally. Like he has a pretty extended protracted like painful death animation <laughs> it's it was brutal. i think that was a little much <laughs> <laughs> uh just again nothing good for nine he can't even die no in a quick fashion Mm-mm. so the tower uh turns out the tower was an arc um adam invites 9s onto the arc you can accept or decline um as the arc launches off into space um I'm, I don't remember why an arc needs to be launched into space. There's no humans. It's just kind of consciousnesses inside, uh, androids or whatever. Um, but why not? Uh, it's a video game. So I accept. Yeah. yeah. I just assumed it was leftover from when they were traveling to the moon or try Like it was a contingency plan that yeah, was left over. True. And so the, now the androids are using it. Yeah. That's what I got from it. So that's ending D and um, root E is very, very short. Um, actually, I mean, you people want to say you have to play the game five times. You play the game three times. Yeah. Yeah. Two of them are completely different 
And one of them you replay with different contexts, different character, different mechanics. And then ending D and E are really fast. Uh, yeah. You can knock them out in half hour or less. And that's counting watching the credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, that's what I always tell people, like, especially once they heard like Replicant, you do end up playing, replaying parts of the game over and over. But I was like, no, with Automata, they have chapter select. You can literally go to the final battle choose the other person that you didn't choose the first time and get the ending. Like you can, once you get to that final battle, you can knock out C, D and E within 45 minutes tops. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, all throughout the game, you've been having, getting these conversations between the pods, especially in route C and the pods have been gaining their own consciousness and their own desires and stuff like that. So, their desire to uh, revive 2B, 9S, and A2 uh, puts you into uh, ending E. And this, you want to talk about, like, there are lots of scenes in the game that make me emotional, but I I cannot get through these credits without crying. I can't (laughs) do it. And it's the song. The weight of the world is, like, just, uh, it's an insanely (laughs) emotional song. Yeah. Yeah. So you play through the credits and it's a shoot 'em up version of the credits and lots of games have done this before. I remember Super Smash Brothers Melee, I think had this yeah. in the credits. Oh yeah, yeah. All of them yeah, do. Really actually. fun. Yeah, so you're shooting through the credits and it's uh taking a while and it starts to get really really difficult and uh you start to die uh during it cuz it, it's just too hard. Like I I think they programmed it to be basically impossible. You start getting messages that come up. Uh, that ask you, and I'm not sure if it's asking you the player or you like the pods or something like that, asking you questions like, um, was it all meaningless? Uh, is this too difficult? Uh, do you want to give up? Stuff like that as you keep dying over and over again. I actually don't know what it does if you say yes. Like it's <laughs> like, do you want to give up? Just yes, and then remember. it's over. I don't know. <laughs> but the thing to do is to keep saying no. And then um, it will bring in other player characters to help you. And we didn't mention this, but there was like this dead body retrieval system throughout the game where you're interacting with other players' uh, corpses. Uh, it's not really important for the game, really. It's It feels kind yeah. of superfluous. But anyway, in the credits, they're bringing back these other player characters, and they take little spaceships and they help you shoot and get through the credits all the while you're struggling against this all the while weight of the world is playing on repeat in all the different languages. And it is just super fucking emotional. Like, and that's not even talking about what happens at the end of the credits, just this whole experience of struggling through it. Yeah. Who knew credits could be so emotional? (laughs) I know. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, even the credits are good. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and the, act of going through the credits was more emotional for me than watching the last scene when like a two and nine S kill each other. Yeah. You know, know? so um, they have this thing at the end uh, when you make it through the credits, uh, they ask you if you want to delete your save data um, in order to put your, I don't know, your player into one of those spaceships and help someone else get through the credits. Um, I read that they, originally wanted to make this be like a player 
players would come help you that were from countries that your country was at war with. That was the original idea for this, which got scrapped probably for a good reason. Yeah, probably not too practical. Sounds good in theory, but... Yeah, but then it's like, oh, I have a player in in Switzerland who is not getting any help. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) From anybody. (laughs) Or players from the United States are getting help from everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, I do like that idea, though, because it does play into the you think that you're different, but you're really not. Yeah. Thing, which is what a lot of the game was based on. So I... You're right. In theory, like, that's a really cool idea. But practically, it's, I can imagine, it was not wholly feasible. Yeah, just from the fact that not every country is constantly at war with each other. Like, Surprising. New, New, New is- Zealand is chilling. Like, what are players in New Zealand going to do? Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but that was the original idea. Um, the first time I played, I didn't delete my save data because I thought I would go, I wanted to go through chapter select again. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, but did you guys delete your save data or have you? Oh, I did. The first Twice. time? Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I made sure that I 100%ed everything. I got every, like, I I spent time getting all of the rare things for all of the, <laughs> I upgraded all the weapons. I did all of the side quests. I made sure I did everything and to watch it slowly get erased in front of my eyes <laughs> is just as heartbreaking after putting in hours grinding some of the stupidest things but i did it and it's deleted (laughs) there's no record of it (laughs) wow yeah katie's the best of us because i i didn't delete mine either i didn't fully grasp why they were asking me when i played it uh, through the first time and then if i were to if and when i replay it i'll delete it because similar to you dave i kept it with the intention of like well maybe i'll come back to it and i haven't so yeah. If I were to go back at I'd this point, a new yeah, game. exactly. If I were to go back at this point, I just start over, anyways. So that's yeah. Well, because so I, got- I will say for Replicant the Remaster, you do delete it, but you do get it back. Oh, they they give it back to you, which was a nice touch. I d- I was not expecting that because I knew that they did it in Replicant because, like I said, I played it on the PS4 and then I wanted mm. to get the remaster because I don't have playstation anymore because my sister moved out so when i got it on pc i played through it and you delete it but then like after another round of cutscenes, it comes back okay for for replicant gotcha yeah it does not come back for automata <laughs> no no nope. it doesn't and i actually well i did go back to chapter select because when i started my replay to get ready for this podcast i started with the chapter select because you keep your levels and stuff but it was like the combat was boring at that point because i was like 60 levels higher than the things i was fighting so it actually wasn't fun uh so i did restart and then when i got to the end on the replay i deleted the save data and i like you don't get a trophy for it or anything like that it's just like I know that my little ship is out there helping someone through the credits. And that's a, that's a good feeling uh, because that uh, was really hard. And like I, during the credits, I was starting to think like, what the hell? Like this, (laughs) this isn't like the smash brothers credits. Like this is really hard. Like, what am I doing? Can I beat this? Mm. Like, am I not going to be able to see an ending because I can't beat the credits? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So 
Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. But again, I had the advantage of I watched two other people play through it before I started my playthrough. So I kind of knew it was coming. Um, but yeah, it's just, I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to be so good. I'm not going to need the help. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was so wrong. <laughs> All right. So this is an idea. This like struggle through the credits, uh, get help from other people. Um, you feel this uh, weight, right? This is an idea that could have sucked oh, if it yeah. wasn't executed really well. Um, and I just, I have to give credit to the song Weight of the World uh, for being number one, as good as it is musically, but the lyrics like perfectly fit that situation. And you've heard the song before because it plays in all the credits that you watch, endings A through D. But when you're going through that like struggle of trying to get through uh, that shoot 'em up part, it's like really, really affecting to hear the lyrics talking about, you know, um, I'm only one person. The, the truth is that I'm only one girl is the line in the song. Um, and you're feeling that like, fuck, I can't do this right now as that lyric is playing with the beautiful music. Like I was like, yeah. just like sobbing through that credit sequence. And it's mostly yeah. the song to be fair. Yeah. But it does play into that situation. Yeah. I, I definitely get goosebumps with that song and I'm going to plug my own song. I, I, I did a version of it and, um, we actually put a call out on Twitter and we're like, anyone who wants to sing on this, like, you don't need to know the lyrics. You're just going to be humming it. Here's what, here's what you're going to be humming. And we had, I think five or six people from our Twitter community send in vocals for it and we mixed it all together. So you can't tell who's who, but, and then I did it and so did my daughter. So there's like a small community chorus of people that have never met in person that we had on that song. So I, I get goosebumps sometimes too, just thinking, yeah, just yeah. doing that. Cause it's, it's impactful. That is super cool. And it is a song that like, if the song comes on when I'm in the car or something like it comes mm -hmm. on in my Spotify shuffle, if I'm not in the right mood, I can't listen to it because it will make me cry regardless of the situation I hear the song in. Yeah. It's such an impactful song. It's just, it's, it's so good. And Janique's performance is fantastic. Um, I wish I knew Japanese so that I can understand because the Japanese lyrics are not the English translation. They're right. sung from the, perspective of 9s so i and i've read the translation but i like it's like one of those times where, like i wish i could understand japanese right. because like that would just me give it even more powerful yeah more meaningful but it, again just shows just like how much they put into the music and how much the music adds to the game yeah and it's like just hammered home like not not a nice little like tie a bow on the end. It is hammered home at the end yep. with weight of the world. Whew. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right, guys. <laughs> we made it. We did it. <gasps> Woo. By the time I add in music, uh, we should be around three hours, which uh, we haven't been at the three hour mark on the show in a while. So thank you guys so much, uh, Andrew and Katie, for, for doing this with me. This has been a really good episode. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm always down to talk about near. It's in my top three games of all time yeah like i said i can't be a fanatic without the fact that i have a tattoo and you can't really see it but i do have virtuous contract sword 
because uh, I used it for a couple of my videos. So, nice. like, I was going to say, you uh, look like you could go for another four hours about this. I, I could. <laughs> I, I mean, so much. Like, there's just so much to this game, and there's so many nuances, and there's so many things we like you just can't touch on. Even after three hours, like, there's still more you can go back and talk about because the the level of detail and care and storytelling that went into this game is just it, it's amazing and like i said it's in my top 3 games of all time it's yeah. just it's perfection and i'm really glad that studios allow creators like yoko taro to really just say like here's my vision here's what i'm thinking it's a little out there and just let them just run with it and it's just, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. And it really, like, every time I see that Yoko Taro has put out another, like, card game for phones, I'm like, <laughs> fuck, like, can, can we get something a little bit more meaty? Like, because yeah. I know you got it in you. But, I mean, he's making the games he wants to make. He's getting paid. I'm happy for him. Because if we, I mean, if we never get another game from Yoko Taro and the rest of the people that like uh, worked on this game, uh, at least we got this one. And um, yeah. I'm super excited about playing Replicant. I've verbally promised to be on a podcast talking about that uh, in the winter. So now I have that like spark, like stop saying you're going to play it. Just fucking play it. I know I'm going to like it. So it's, it's really good. If you liked Automata, you're going to like Replicant. Yeah. There's a reason that so many people hold, um, both of these games up in such high regard. Uh, so again, I really appreciate both of you guys coming on the show. Um, everyone who's made it to this point, congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, one more recommendation to check out uh, the music that Katie makes and your friendly neighborhood gamers. Again, check for links down in the show notes. Uh, high recommendation for both of those from me. So thank you everybody for listening. Tune in next week for the next game that comes out of the backlog. Backlog.